Nice. Yeah, here we go. So, uh, welcome to another episode of the Lookout Podcast. We're back in Sula Peak for the third time, is that so? Third time. Nice. And then we are also joined by James Berju. Am I saying that right? You are. Oh, awesome. You might, yeah, I was going to say, you might get in there real. How about now? Yeah, there it is. Yeah, you really got to make love to these mics. They're great because they kind of keep the wind and stuff out, but you got to be about like two inches from the from the end there. So. I'm yeah, gonna, thanks for having me. Sorry for it being so uncomfortable. No, it's all, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, let me try to move this a little closer to this. Is that, is that better? How's that? That sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah I think like that look, the old, you know, boxing announcer where you got one hand on the it mic. It feels so natural. <laughs> like, you notice how I just, the hand goes there? Yeah, it, does, it looks pretty good. All right, good. Uh, oh, so, man. James, this is the first time I actually ever met you, man. I, Absolutely, yeah. Tell me a little about yourself. Uh, well, I was, uh, I was born in Texas, and then I grew up mostly in Montana in Great Falls. And then right when I got out of high school, I went straight to the Army. And I did Army and then uh, Army Guard for a total of five years. Oh. And then after that, I went to the University of Montana, and I did my undergrad in anthropology, the focus in archaeology and some GIS. And then uh, when I was done with that, I worked in um, over in Washington for a little bit, uh, took a bit of a break, and I came back and worked um, out of Great Falls on the Helena Lewis and Clark National Forest as an archaeologist out there. Oh, wow. And then recently, since um, April... I've started on the uh, Mount Hood National Forest in Oregon. Oh, dang, man. So you did, you did some traveling. So you're born, born in Texas? Where about in Texas? Uh, Houston. Houston. Did you say that and I missed it? Oh, no, no. Oh, I, I didn't say, I didn't <laughs> I say where. I was, I was like, man, like, wait a minute. No, it was just a quick... I didn't spend any time there. I oh, don't, you know. Just, just birth. But yeah, it was mostly just growing up in, growing up in Montana. That's growing up in Great Falls. Yeah, Great Falls, huh? Oh, awesome. Man. I spent a little time in Great Falls. My uh, grandma's from Great Falls, so... Was a uh, spent a little time there, and sorry, I was checking levels real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know she was born and raised there, and then I went and got in the fire department there in Great Falls. And oh, cool! Was on there for a very short stint because uh, my Corona's just went bananas, and it kind of happened during academy, and I was I, like, figure I can muscle through academy, and then you know once we got on shift, uh, you'd have a, little, a few more breaks in between mm-hmm. act, action, and like I uh, had a couple shifts back to back, so the two on, four off, and then one on. I can't remember. I was like. One on, two days off, one on, four days off, and it would just go like that. So I, hopefully I'm not butchering that, but something like that. And <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, and like I, you know, the one that was kind of almost back to back, and like I was like, man, I really don't feel great. That's like, I'll, I'll get through those four days off, and they're really like three days off because your day starts, your off day starts that morning. So like you work 24-hour shift, you know, and mm-hmm. you get off at like 7 or 8 in the morning, and that's your first day off, but you're still just like, you know, you haven't slept, and so you're not really like rested, you know, yeah. so you spend that first day just resting, and then day of laundry and then that last day you know you think about going back to shifts and stuff and uh yeah just guts wouldn't wouldn't hold out for me sounds just like the army like when you get days off um and you were doing structure fire yeah i was doing structure yeah Yeah, because that's uh i guess i forgot to say um sam and i were on the same fire crew back in 2016 yeah rookies together in 2016 yeah right right down the hill from here i can i can look over and just see the Sulu Ranger Station. I think it was a work center then. I don't know what it is now. Uh, it was a ranger station, and now it's a work center. Okay, so to, yeah. to our great shame. Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> was it a ranger station when you guys were there? Yeah, so it was a Sulu Ranger Station when we first uh, I, got there. I, oh. I know there were people working there. I don't know if it was... It wasn't fully staffed. So mm, it, yeah, but there were definitely was, people still working there. It oh. was kind of shorter, more almost skeleton crew back mm-hmm. in 2016, and it was getting a little smaller. And then the merger with Darby happened mm-hmm. the next year or the year following, 2017 or 18. Oh, really? Oh, man, I didn't realize it was so recent because, you know, I, I worked there last year on the fire crew. And mm-hmm. it seemed because it's, like you said, it's been so vacant. And then post-COVID and kind of oh. during COVID when I got my position, it was 
like pretty empty. So it seemed like yeah. it had been a while since, you know, anyone had fully staffed the, the yeah. uh, uh, ranger station there. I mean, that's what was crazy. When I came on to work for the, the Helena Lewis and Clark Forest, I was at the supervisor's office in Great Falls. And it was, we were at Maximum Telework, so we were teleworking a lot. But the times I had to go in if I needed to print something or get a site form, it was nobody else in there. Someone mm-hmm. at the desk sometimes, um, you know, depending on when. And it was so eerie. And then I, I come out and I go out to the Mount Hood, and it's and it's been, a, you know, a couple years more now. And it's a smaller station, so there's always people there. So it's, yeah. it's been an adjustment for that. Oh, I bet, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was talking to somebody about that today, you know, the smaller stations and not having as many folks there and, and – uh, I was talking to Troop. Do you guys know Kyle Troop? I do. Yeah, he was uh, he was one of the fives. Oh in yeah, Sula <laughs> when you were there. rookies. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, now he's now he's safety officer for the forest, and mm-hmm. uh, he's the man. He was just talking about his, his little sitting up in Spotted Bear, and he was saying how like there was like I don't know, I want to say like five cars in the parking lot, and people were like man, time of year when everybody's here. He's like, there's <laughs> five cars here, man. There's like five people, <laughs> you know. Right. But they're just you know kind of remote station and. If it's like two hours on a dirt road, he was saying, like yep. from pavement, it's two hours to get to Spotted Bear, and that's not even like getting up to Hungry Horse, you know, on the highway and everything. But God, what a beautiful spot that that place is. So they have to see if they're hiring. That sounds like a great ranger station to work <laughs> oh, out. Oh yeah, it's amazing, man. And they got so much backcountry stuff, you know. Mm. And like I think, and I was just talking to somebody today, um, a gal who's staffing uh, Bear Top Lookout. Oh God, I wouldn't mess it up. But she's in the Bob, and. um She's going to be on the podcast when she comes down and share some of the stories of living out there in the Bob. She's right next to Gates Park. But uh, we were talking today, and she still has a phone in her lookout. She's definitely not lookout right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Man, I wish Bear something. Man, I don't know. Bear something. <laughs> God, I wish I could remember. I hate when you get, like, those brain parts. But, uh, bear cone? Bear, no, because she's up, yeah, she's up um, in the Bob Marshall wilderness. Oh, bear. Oh, oh, oh. Man, I don't know. Bear Peak? Bear Peak, Bear Top, <laughs> Bear Lookout. I don't know. But anyways, uh, she, so she's got a phone, and I took a picture of the phone in my cart yesterday and put it on the Instagram, you know, and she's like, I got one of those too, you know, and um, I guess hers was re- working recently until fire came through and damaged the line, then no one repaired it, but wow. yeah, I think I think she was confirming that um, parts of Spotted Bear still use a phone because there's no service, and it's way out in the middle of nowhere, and I mean, it doesn't cost anything to keep the phone up, you know, mm-hmm. so like, I thought that was pretty cool. Like, man, I, I've used some old phones in my day, you know, because I was a pretty <laughs> cell phone kid, but I don't know if I ever used one that old, so that's kind of the new goal is like go out in Spotted Bear country and find those old cabins and just bug somebody in there and be like, who's this? Like, don't worry about it. I just want to say hi. <laughs> <laughs> Call it up and see who you get. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Tell me your story. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Welcome what? to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a lookout podcast. That'd be, oh, that'd be so good. Yeah, you know, you don't know who you're gonna get. Yeah, that'd be mm-hmm. wild. Yeah, it'd be hard to. If I could figure out how to record it, I'd have to like have a little quarter by the thing. You know, <laughs> yeah. be really scuffed. Yeah, it would, oh, it probably would be, and it might even be a little delay. I don't know. I mean, maybe not. Beats me. Yeah, if it's like a direct yeah. line, I don't know how that works, yeah. but be kind of be super cool. It would. Um, but yeah, so you you were in the military. Were you guys served together? We did not. No. Oh, well, I appreciate your service, boys. You're very kind. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. What? So when did you go in, in the service? Uh, I joined in, I think my official date was June 29th, 2009. Oh, oh gotcha. Yeah. And then um, then I came off active in November of 2012. And when I was getting ready to get active, they were like, well, yeah, what do you want to do your guard time? I was like, I'm sorry, what? And yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, you've, uh, we show uh, three years of guard time on your contract. I was like, well, is there any, any openings in Montana? And they yeah. had one. So, oh, cool. So I was able to, to come back to Montana because by then I was only trying to go to college. Oh, yeah. And then so I was in the guard until, uh, let's see, like August 2014. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, not, man, I, 
Good work out of doors. Yeah. Nine years ago, man. It's so weird to say that. Like, I keep forgetting we're like in the 20s, you know? Cause yeah. Like a bunch of my fire career, like the, you know, the the most interesting stuff that I did in fire was like in 2013, 2015, and 2017, really. And then the rest was more like, you know, trying to figure out what else I was going to do with my life, you know? So like not quite as exciting, I guess. Oh, yeah. yeah. It feels weird to be 10 years from my deployment. Like Oof. very strange. That is, yeah. Were you Iraq or would you? Go? I was Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. So I was, would have been ten, eleven over there. Oh wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. That had to be a little gnarly, huh? It was. It was, there was nothing like it. It was really crazy. Yeah. Um, and I could, you know, I could talk for a long time about all the, the stuff on it, but it was, it was a very unique, very different experience. Like being on like another planet kind of deal, or? Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, it was a, such a whole different look. I thought Afghanistan looked a lot like Utah. Oh, really? A lot of guys said it looked like Texas. Yeah. So. yeah but but I thought it looked like northern Utah. Oh, gotcha. Um, kind of desolate, a little bit flat and Well, it sandy. would be either either flat or very mountainous, and there was oh. no in-between. Oh, really? And then, which is my experience have, um, having family around Salt Lake, going on family trips. That's what I remember the area around Salt Lake being yeah. like. Oh. Either very rocky on one side or completely flat on the other. Yeah, yeah. But no, it was insanely flat. There were days that I, I looked and I realized that um, like I couldn't tell what something was, and I, I had a you know, something out, binoculars out to get a closer look at it. And I realized it was the peak of a mountain. I was seeing the curve of the earth. It was oh, so flat and it was dead. so far out there. Yeah. So um, like a giant mountain, you can only see just the tip. So it was, yeah, I could curve. just see the tip. And I was yeah. like, what the heck is that? And then I, I realized, yeah, I was like, oh man, it's because I can see the curve of the earth. Man, that's, that's wild. That's, I mean, it's like, that's like ocean things. You hear people talk yeah. about like dip, yeah. ships disappearing back in the day because they go mm-hmm. over the curve of the earth. Wow, that'd be wild to see, man. What well, now, flat earthers? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Contest that. Nailed them. Yeah, exactly. From a, from a guy who doesn't really know much talking on, on mic here. Talk about me, not you boys. You boys are smart. So then you almost got a doctor at some point. We kind of teased that. What, oh, what so, so, um, Dr. James. Story. Yeah, we ended, so we got on this fire crew, and, uh, and I don't, I don't remember all the details, but basically, I was at the VA, and they were, um, someone came by from the smoke jumpers in Missoula and they said, they're like, Oh, we're looking to stand up an all veteran crew. Would you be interested? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. For fire. Cause I was looking to get my foot in the door for doing forest service. Yeah. And so, and it you know, came down to Sula and it was all, all veterans on the crew. And so it was, it was a really good, um, start there. And something the forest service is good on is, you know, they talk about like, yeah, what are you looking to do? And I, I told them I want to, you know, do an archeologist, be an archeologist, work in archeology span for the forest service. Yeah. And so, uh, that got around. So, uh, the, the way they, um, short round called him Dr. Jones. Dr. Sam Jones. started calling me Dr. James. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, was, had, it was just too easy because we found out you had the archaeology gig going on mm-hmm. and it was just, it was the beard and the mustache and everything was, it was perfect. And it's like <laughs> Dr. James. Yeah, Dr. And James. Hey. It, that stuck quick. Yeah, oh, and it, it was a crew of nicknames. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, I was talking to somebody recently, like they haven't really seen that in a while, like in the fire crews or anywhere anymore. You know, like back in the day, there's, you know, nicknames for everybody and just like, more jokes it feels like i don't know mm-hmm. i think it was an army thing a little bit because oh, like yeah. we we got going especially as um because we had a big fire on this forest that year and it felt so much like deployment it felt so much like being in the army again so i think that was just a byproduct of all the the army guys yeah. uh, start the nickname thing again yeah I, yeah i could definitely see that man that's pretty cool though and yeah i imagine like at least my experience with a lot of veterans is so used to kind of like a, a regiment schedule so like they cruising a fire and used to talking on you know walkie talkies or you know radio so it's like usually the com was really good because they're you know no already no brevity and then um just the uh you know getting a routine you know a lot of folks who come out of the military are used to having routines so it's like mm-hmm. they click right in yeah yeah that and then we were talking about this earlier today how like you're getting the right man set for the army 
when they're like, right, this is what we're doing today. And you're like, okay, this is what we're doing today. And yep. you, don't, you don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, you don't worry about tomorrow. Just worry about today. Yeah. And like yeah. the end of today, you can worry about tomorrow. And yet you're at peace with it. You're like, all yeah, right, we're doing but, this yeah. thing today. And like, yeah, I don't really understand, but that's fine. We're doing this. This is what we're doing. <laughs> Things are going to happen to you um, and you're just going to be at peace with it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's so great to have that peace. I don't have it anymore now. No. Yeah. That's a weird thing. Yeah. About getting on a fire and, and you know, probably the military is like, like you said, like, all right, we're doing here and probably, uh, I don't know how long it's going to be. Like we could be just working this piece of line for a week. I don't know. You know, and you could be gone in 30 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And could totally change. Then you're just like, Oh, I guess we're doing this now. Yep. It's, yeah. It's so nice. Cause there's, there's a lot of folks who unfortunately, and I feel bad for them cause they have like that rigid mind frame, you know, like one of my friends, um, his name's Bronson. He's working in McCall and he said like one of the biggest studs that were in Ricky training, I think it only lasted a few days because he just could not handle it, not knowing what was going to happen next. Mm. And, and maybe I'm messing the story up. Maybe it lasted a little longer, but I mean like he was crushing everything, but like, just that not knowing was, was bothering bana- or was driving him bananas, you know? Yeah, that mental side. No, they yeah. talk about it a lot in, uh, in basic training and, every, yeah, comes up a lot. Yeah, yeah, I bet, man. Try to probably work it out in basic training. <laughs> I was too tired to even think. Yeah, do you care? <laughs> they, they must be doing, there must be something because, yeah, you just get to where you're, you're like, yep, sounds good. And then, you know, you don't, you don't worry about it and most people, people get it, so they must have some trick to it. Yeah, you're going to eat these powdered eggs, and then you're going to climb over that wall, and then you're going to run three miles, and you're like, okay. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Powdered eggs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, lucky, so lucky me. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm, some protein in these things, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. We get fed today. No, they fed us. <laughs> we, get fed, yeah. we get fed, and it's not MREs. Yeah. That was oh, when it was good. MREs. Ooh. One of my favorite things ever is every long-term girlfriend that I've had, at one point, we've sat down, and I'm like, okay, so I want to eat an MRE together. Oh. And it's usually a traumatic experience so for one of the parties. Well, yeah, what kind of punishment are you trying to do here? <laughs> All right. It's, All right. It may be a sell little me mean, on but it. I mean, I don't have to sell much. Usually it's like precluded by questions about like, what was service like? Stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, MREs, those are gross. And they're like, are they? And I'm like, let's find out. This yeah. is going to be a dinner date. This is going to be great. Here's a bag, bag lunch for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> my my last long-term girlfriend almost threw up and I did feel bad. I was oh, like, okay, man. let's let's move on. It's crazy how many, how big, like popular MREs are for people who were never in. Yeah. Like, and I, surprising it, stuff. Yeah. It, like, it really surprised me because I know people who are like all about them. Oh, really? yeah. And they still, they eat a fair bit because they're like hunting or they're like, you know, for whatever reason. They're, in the money. They, they've had yeah. a bunch of, they're very expensive, expensive too, yeah. yeah. But it's blood. Why? I don't know. I don't understand it because it's. Uh, I don't think it was just because I ate them, you know, three meals yeah. a day for months and months. I think it was. I just don't. I just don't think they're that great. No, I know. <laughs> and I they're not made to be that great. No, mm-hmm. they're, they're just meant to keep you alive. Exactly yeah. right. Like, like a ton of calories and a yeah. small amount of food. Mm-hmm. Salt and calories. Here you go. Yeah, because if I was really hungry, I could I could eat two of them and oh, still yeah. be like kind of hungry because they're really not that big of portions. We got. They're, not, they're just a lot of calories. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of bad calories. Yeah, bad. It's like this brick in my gut. But like, uh, well, the, and the deal probably with your poor girlfriend was like, the uh, if you're heating them up, so like it already starts bad because that heater smells so bad. <laughs> it does, dude. They're gross. I do love that heater, though. That heater has a special place in my heart because the instructions are so unclear. And at one point, they yeah. tell you to tilt the heater up yeah. on a rock or something mm-hmm. as part of government descriptions. There's a, a helpful picture. Yeah, spam yeah. can. So that I, I, I've seen it a couple times. It's a shirt that's been created by who knows what, you know, pro vet company, but it says rock or something. And it has a little picture of the rock. It does. And I want that shirt so bad. Oh, it gets ridiculously hot pretty fast, you know? Yeah. Unless mm-hmm. you get a dud one. You ever got a dud one? Like, yeah, oh. I've got a dud oh, where yeah, I yeah. expected my, uh, um, 
buffalo chicken to be heated, and then mm. it was not. Yeah, like, you're like feeling it, but it gets your face. You're like, this is not warm. Maybe I had more water. I was <laughs> yes, yeah. I've been down that road. I was stationed in Alaska though, and those heaters were clutch. I don't care how bad they smelled. Yeah. yeah. That's a hand warmer. Oh, for sure. I thought you were shoving it in your sleeping bag. Just have a little vent for it to come out. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah. We had these. Uh, we had these big puff suits they came out with, and it's the same mm-hmm. material mm-hmm. as the sleeping bag. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But they're huge parts. They're super warm. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, Not allowed so to wear them. We had the, <laughs> oh, really? we had those for Afghanistan. And then we also had um, uh, when the towers. We'd worked out. And we'd bought some like heaters from the locals, and we had some. We had some fuel, so we had them going, and they're these little square heaters, and so they were right up against, and I guess one of the guys, he didn't realize how close he'd gotten to his heater. Oh, no. And he was all bundled up, so he didn't feel it till it was far too late that he, <laughs> he'd burned this perfect square hole into the leg on one of them. Oh, no. And then it was, it'd gone all the way through to his leg, and it was like, ah, you have to do the rest of the deployment without the nice warm pants. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, man, it's unfortunate. <laughs> Did it do any damage to his skin, or? I don't think so, no. He didn't oh. get, like, it's, it's just that he didn't notice it until it was already burned through. And he's like, wait, what? Oh, no. Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> well, and I heard, too, like, um, around, usually around the base and stuff, they're burning garbage. So, you, like, you oh, might not God. even have a smell, right? Because you might not pick that smell up if it's similar to the garbage smell. If you're... This, we were on, like, a really small position. Oh. Um, we'd, fl- we'd transfer, we were on this, like, rotation. So, we would go to, uh, We'd be on a fob, then we'd be at these OPs and doing missions, and then we'd be at this uh, checkpoint. Oh, good. Gotcha. And like the checkpoint, it's I'm trying to sign something around it. <laughs> it's um, it's the size of your typical ranger station, I guess. Oh. It's, it's like a it's like a small office building size, and then it would be, um, it was a couple of buildings we'd filled in with um, uh, Hesco barriers around and sandbags and some towers. And then, um, so we had like one building we could get into and then some that were more just being used for walls and oh, gotcha. enough room to park all the strikers. And so. f- Ford operating base? Is that the pub? Ford operating base. This was yeah. a checkpoint. Ford operating oh. base was much bigger. Oh, um, gotcha. Yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought I heard Bob. I was like, I gotta Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's, <laughs> and I, I did say that, but that was, it was like a rotation. So we'd, we'd switch around different stuff. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I forgot to turn on boys. No, it's all right. No worries. Maybe it'll help us from overheating ourselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Probably not. Is the GoPro doing all right? Yeah, it's Light's on. Yeah. <laughs> it's watching you. <laughs> Did I tell you I got one for one of those for um, when Fize and I went to Hawaii, for, like shark dives and oh, stuff? So I, had, I had no idea. I've got it on like my wrist and stuff. Nice. The footage turned out terrible. <laughs> oh, no. almost Dude, almost sucks. worthless but we did all the stuff to like yeah because i got the yeah. gopro and i got the case for it to be in yep. underwater and i have considered putting one on my helmet for our uh ski adventures i keep i keep like needing keep to do it and then that, i'm yeah. on my way there and i'm like gosh dang it i forgot it mm. again i know i've i've got a bunch of the mounts and i've got a bunch of the really? like yeah, yeah so for the helmet mounts it's like a the mountain's like a sticky thing you just put on there. And hmm. It's got that like this super sticky stuff. Between me, you, and Tyrell, I think we've seen some really cool country. Oh, skiing. absolutely! Yeah, I think that'd be cool footage to have. Oh, Sandbagger Sam, I had no idea. I don't think we ever even touched on uh, skiing. I guess it's, there's a lot to you. So bummer. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Do you ski snowboard? Snowboard, yeah. I, I used to see a kid, so I'm, I'm thinking about getting back into it because it's, you know, with my kid, would... I'm also a dirty snowboarder, oh, so yeah? stick with it. Yeah. Oh, that's what my other buddy <laughs> Billing said, too. It's same way, you know, he's got the split board, so when he goes oh, back Oh, dude, that's Ooh. cool. That's good for him, man. Yeah. Um, I had a guy who was really trying to sell me his, but I didn't have a spare $2,000 that he wanted. No, dude, I, like, I didn't realize how expensive it was until yeah. I like, looked in and I was like, I guess I won't do that. I know, I feel bad because I, I really wanted to take him up on it. I think it'd be really fun. And he had great stories about skinning into some really cool places and yeah. being able to board out 
But yeah, um, we like to usually make a trip at least once a winter. Well, we all get together and go to Lost Trail here. Oh, sweet. So, I mean, I'm going to have to give you a call. <laughs> yeah, hit me up. Yeah, I mean, I'm right on the way. So Exactly. Where do you guys crash at? Just like in um, Missoula? Or? So, yeah. yeah, between here and Missoula with any, with any friends or yeah. <laughs> got an open spot on the floor or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. What time of year you guys usually go? Like February, January? We're looking like spring. Have we ever been out in December? Like we have. I think we probably have once, um, at least once or twice. I've made a December trip. Um, Spring break is a good one for me, usually, if I'm not going to like Florida or something like that, because brother lives down there. He lives in Florida? Yeah. Cool. He's going to a university down there. Oh, nice. So try to go visit while I can. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I did the same. My brother was going to Pomona in Southern California. So kind of same deal. (laughs) Let's go. Yeah, man. All the time. Like, you know, I go a couple times a year because it's the only surfing I would get, you know, unless I was making like a special trip to Hawaii or something, you know. I've only only been to Hawaii twice, but, you know, always plan to go more, I guess. Right. But, uh, yeah, I learned how to surf there and then, you know, (laughs) went back and. Still couldn't really surf much better, but uh, I was able to. <laughs> it's about having fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if you didn't lose, didn't get worse. So. Yeah, yeah, and I got, yeah. Got both arms, and that was in Hanalei Bay. You know where that poor girl got drowned. Ooh, yeah. Hanalei is beautiful. It's gorgeous. Man. I love that area. That's yeah. the only place I've ever been, actually. Same. So I, I don't have really much to compare. So, yeah. But it's there's beautiful. something about that though. That drive down the cliffside on yeah. the way into Hanalei. Oh, oh so dude, cool. so awesome, man! Yeah. And like sunsets in that in that bay, man, are so amazing. Yeah. And that that Princeville, just northern side of the island, is yeah. is absolutely gorgeous. It and, uh, great snorkeling, man. Cool fish. Ooh, oh yeah. I guess we did do some snorkeling while we were in that area. Yeah, so yeah let's go cool. check out some reefs. Yeah. Um, was that restaurant there when you were there in Hanalei, uh Calypso? Calypso. Calypso's? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, kind of the corner there, right? Yeah, yeah, that was that really was good. sweet. <laughs> yeah, we did that one, and there's another one like that's like up top, and I can't remember the name of it, but it's like in the little main village, and it's like on the second floor. Mm-hmm. That Calypso is awesome, man. They usually have the torches going tonight, yeah. so it looks really cool. Yeah, James, you been? Uh, yeah, I went to Oahu, and oh, then you um, ah, oh, jeez, last October. Oh, really? And so, um, girls with at the time, we had an amazing like two week trip there. Did oh, everything? Cool. Didn't a shark cage dive? Did, really? Oh, it was awesome. God Super damn. cool. Uh, yeah, they take you out and shark like there and everything. You jump right in this. Um, there were sharks already swarming the boat, and I was asking, I was like, "Yeah, do you got to lure them out or something?" He's like, "No, no, they they used to fall in the fishing boat. So they see <laughs> our boat, and they, they say, oh, fishing boat. There's gonna be." bits for us we're yeah. chumming the water yeah yeah, yeah they you didn't have to throw <laughs> anything american threw, tourists he threw, <laughs> yeah he threw some leaves in and they like count to oh what's oh okay it's a leaf oh this yeah. Out. oh yeah wow and then do you jump directly in the cage or do you jump outside the cage oh you, you cage? climb down like a fish ladder and oh. then they like they like uh it's on a rope and then it floats out but that was really cool that's we cool. went to um they get close to you oh super close yeah really what kind of shark? how big were we they were galapagos sharks oh. um and i think they said like six to nine feet <laughs> Um, that it was crazy, and there was a couple times I'm like there, and like, I look, and I see like the shark come around and like notice me, like no doubt he's looking right at me and starts swimming over to like see what I am, and then he got like within like four or five feet, and he's like, oh, it's like, yeah, oh, never mind. Yeah, he's, he's like, it's not what I'm. Not a seal. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. That's yeah, it, wild, was, it was crazy, and then what was really wild is um, so we went two groups, and so we were like the second group. So when we were done. We climbed up and they're putting the cage in. We're getting ready to go out. I'm looking over the side. I'm like, oh, you know, sharks aren't too scary, too bad. I was like, hmm, probably shouldn't like stop developing, a, stop having a fear. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I should still have a healthy respect for sharks being dangerous. Yeah. So totally. I was like, oh, these guys ain't so bad. I was like, wait, no, no, still take no. them seriously. 
Yeah, some of them gets eaten, right? Like the grizzly yeah. man and stuff. Yes, yeah, that's exactly like that. what I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah. it's like, grizzly bears aren't scary. Move in with them. They're like big dogs. Living yeah. out with the sharks now. I'll find like a little cave in the water and I'll just live with the sharks. Yeah, look at the, the sharks now. See you and knows you. What happened to James the shark man? Did he get eaten by a shark? No, he drowned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's an idiot. Sharks. Yeah, just kept swimming and just kept going down. Yeah, I would told him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, highest recommendation. Very, very impressed. Uh, That's super cool, man. Got uh, just diamond heads. Gorgeous. Looking there is amazing. I uh, uh, got to go to Pearl Harbor. Really cool. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Di- what was Diamond Head? Diamond Head is a big mountain. Um, oh. Or a big, uh, I believe it's a crater. Oh. Um, huh. But it's, yeah, it's this big famous formation on Oahu. Oh, I didn't even know about that. Because, yeah, mm. cause, like, usually think of, like, Pearl Harbor and uh, that's about it, I guess. About yeah. Harbor, so it's, it's on the other side of Honolulu from Pearl Harbor. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, when I was in college, um, there was a bunch of Hawaiians uh, that were recruited by the football program in uh, oh. Dillon, and uh, so then they started a rugby program. So it was kind of cool. <laughs> we got to play with them. And, All right. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, they were good, dude. And, like so smooth. Like a different. Yeah, because like rugby is a different kind of skill, you know. So like they're yeah. Like, certainly. Yeah, the movement in it was like totally different. It took me a while to get used to it, you know, and like stuff that like probably obvious uh you know like just the way you run even like towards these gaps like that weren't that obvious to me because i was just like mm-hmm. used to football and like you know more head down running you north and south, north and south a little bit you know just crash into them whatever it's a, yeah. it's a fun sport to watch i don't know if i'd want to play it but yeah. <laughs> i keep telling myself i'm gonna do maggot fest every year because I, oh. I never did because i always like fire or something and uh it is a really know. good time if you haven't been i've been but i never played okay yeah really. as long as it go oh, it's such a good time yeah mm-hmm. i got i gotta do it maggot fest is awesome I was on a plane one time coming back to, from visiting my brother. It was actually his graduation. So my older brother and I were flying back together. And the whole plane was like full of these characters, you know, and they're kind of dressed up. And I was like, what weekend is it? You know, I talked to my brother. And he's like, he said something. I was like, wait, is that MegaFest? He's like, oh, yeah. And like, <laughs> the plane just kept filling up with these, you know, big humans, you know, and yeah, the wild yeah. outfits, you know, and, and guys and gals. So it was kind of mm. cool, man. Mm. Yeah, it was such a fun event, man. I love like these, you know, old, like, not old, but like group gatherings that are kind of traditional, you know. I mean, I don't think Megafest is like crazy old, but it's probably been around for a minute, you know. Been around for quite a while because there was while I was undergrad, they were, people were doing it and it was a big deal. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember hearing about it like when I was pretty young too. I think so. Yeah, and you went to high school in Great Falls, you said. Yeah, yeah, I was CMR. CMR, oh nice, man. Yeah, I've been to CMR. It's where we did like a we did this like training with. The high school kids, so oh. they, they, the drama, the drama kids. <laughs> so the drama kids dressed up as like a like a. It was like for DUI awareness or something. So they had like these uh, already like kind of crashed up cars sitting in front of the high school. And then the drama kids were all bloodied up. Oh, dark. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like they and they kind of gave us a heads up on it, but I don't remember them giving us a whole lot of information. But we staged all the engines at this parking lot. I'm like, what are we doing? You know, like cause I'm not from Great Falls. <laughs> yeah, I guess I do, yeah. they they were doing it a lot. So like or like every year just to help with like you know drunk driving awareness for high school kids and man those kids man they're like screaming and really playing it off yeah wow. that's that's a new one we didn't do it when i was there oh really oh, so maybe it's not that old then <laughs> that's an- I, I didn't know what was going on like you know everyone else had been around knew knew what was happening you know and i was like okay and then <laughs> how's that for a monday morning oh, for a, a oh. green firefighter what are we doing you're responding to a dui fatality yeah. just kidding just kidding all yeah. these kids all the oh, trauma geez. that i needed yeah and then the news was there so like a news oh, camera yeah, here yeah. and i just learned how to use the uh the spreaders which a lot of people call the jaws of life and yeah just, just learn how to like get a car door open with the spreaders you know and use the uh, the cutters and the spreaders to you know get people out of what do you call it? like um oh man so there's a name for it um when people are stuck in a car mm. oh oh yeah uh what's the word I'm looking what for? is that yeah uh <laughs> 
Because that's what the training's called when you get to use yeah. the spreader and the and the cutters. And so, anyways, uh, like here you go, Barrett. Like first, because there's two cars, I think is what it, what it was. Like you know, and they they I think they got the kids out before um, we went in there just so they they wouldn't get hurt, you know, like or any risk of yeah. that. But still, like I think they had a dummy in the, in the seat, so like I had to act like I you know like still go in there safe and and try to you know get the door off, and then someone grabbed the dummy and yeah, it was. A lot of pressure. And my grandma's like, "You're on the news." I was like, oh, no, "Look, <laughs> please don't remind me." Yeah, I was like sweating, you know, man. But it, you know, it was, I think it was cool though, because like all the you know high school kids got involved, and you know, yeah, drum kids played it off pretty good. So hopefully, made some folks think twice before drinking and driving. Yeah, you know? that's some good training, good practice. Yeah, yeah absolutely, really good because it definitely raises the stress level. You know, as you know, for a new, you know, fresh out of the academy rookie, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a. That's a fun time in uh, army is training too. Entrapment training. Or something? God. We I don't to, know if you guys do that same thing. Is it? Are you talking about the house with like it's like dark and there's all like the fake blood on the floors and stuff? Oh yeah, we had. Uh, are you talking for like a, a breaching you, scenario? You go first because I think we're talking about different things. Ooh. Because I know like the breaching and clearing scenarios. Yes. Got like kind of realistic like that, but also like a um, shoot. What is it called? Uh, CLS. Oh yeah, yeah. So CLS is like your your medical response, and uh, yeah, they they'd often encourage like, you know, combat your, your, your buddies. Savers. That's the one. Combat lifesavers. Yeah. <laughs> they'd encourage your buddies who are being the dummies to act out very well. Oh yeah. <laughs> a gunshot wound or whatever, and yeah, sometimes you'd have props like fake blood and stuff like that. It was kind of fun. So Jeez, th- yeah. they had um near uh in twenty twelve just before I got off active. They're like, oh, we, we got like a, um, it's like a CLS course, but it's going to be a little more intense. Yeah. Um, I was like, yeah, all right, I'll go do that. Yeah, and um, cool. it was a little bit of classroom stuff. But then they took us out to this, um, this like building they had, and it was set up for this. And you uh, had to have all my gear on. And then you went in, and it was dark. It was like dark, but there was like flashing lights. And there's um, covered in like the CLS blood all over the floor, all of the dummies and stuff. And there was a guy like yelling at me, like, "Oh, we gotta get down, gotta get down." I was like, "All right, so let's crawl down." They're like, "All right, crawl." That guy's been hit. And I had to go crawl over and like assess the dummy, what had been hit. And those guys yelling at me, and then you know do something on it or decide like, "Oh, well, we need to triage and get to the other person." And I crawl between like the, it was fantastic training because like <laughs> all really that good. yelling, you had to do it. And then I got out there and the guys like, "Okay, cool. Here's what you did right. Here's what you did wrong. Oh, yeah. These things." It was. That was fantastic that, training. It, yeah, I mean, there's nothing like it, right? Yeah, and then I, mean, I was, that's yeah. a real thing, I guess, but like for training wise. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really, really good. Yeah, man. Yeah, same. Like I, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to do it again, but I was like really <laughs> glad to have it because then I knew like all my training, like because that's what's supposed to happen, right? Like that reptilian part of your brain where they talk about like it's supposed to kick in mm-hmm. and you know revert to your training, and you know it definitely did for me. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and so it's like you said, very important. I just man. I wouldn't want to do it again, though, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe, it'd be good probably to refresh on every year because you, you don't see that too much, you know, when you got to get someone out of a vehicle or something. Mm-hmm. And trap, I can't think of what the name of the training is, man, for the life of me. It's killing me right now. I thought it was something weird with the, the word auto in it. But oh, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, my, the sun is like right on my head right now. Yeah. I'm like, feeling warm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If we, we need to close it for a while, we can. No, I'm taking it okay. in, man. We're at the end of August here. You know, it's like last look. Not too warm, much heat warm, left. Yeah. yeah, warm weather. <laughs> so apologies for people watching. Like they're probably <laughs> facing right into the sun, but got the best angle, and we got the bitter roots behind us here. So once the uh, once it goes down a little bit, you guys get a little better view of the the bitter roots. <laughs> Not like you guys get to see it, but we'll enjoy it for you. Yeah, we'll enjoy it for you. Yeah. <laughs> if you really squint into the <laughs> screen when you watch this. Because it's kind of hazy out there today, though. We've had the Bitterroot Haze, trademark, for the uh, last Ooh. like week or so, just with all the cold fronts coming in. Oh. So we've had a few lightning starts, as I'm sure you're aware, in the area. Mm. And then we've still had uh, the Bulls Creek going on. So it's had enough smoke and enough cold fronts 
with a few little lightning strikes here and there that we have that haze in effect pretty good still. Bitter root haze. Sounds like a beer. <laughs> I know, right? It, it should be. Yeah. Bitter root brewing. Bitter root brewing, yeah. <laughs> Take note. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> yeah. Sports podcast. <laughs> there we go, bitter root brewing. <laughs> oh, Put man. it back up when I'm done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, spam. <laughs> and spam. Oh, yeah, shit. It's like, seriously, I was going to reach out to them. I probably should reach out to Bitter Brewing, but I was going to reach out to Spam and see if they wanted to support the podcast. They should support they, like, they you s- and the jumpers. They yeah. seem like the kind of guys who would be, be on board with that. I think so, too, yeah, man. Yeah, make mean, Spam. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, one of the shows thing I was going to do. Did you hear that move? Was that was that me? I, I um, bumped I something. I think it was oh, the, <laughs> yeah, it's I hit glasses a, a underneath. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. I was like, I didn't see anyone move, so I was like... <laughs> you know what's great too it is it's like I, I did it and then I was like oh I don't think they heard thank goodness <laughs> and then you're like what was that it was like hey there's some noise uh, <laughs> I don't know about that yeah. <laughs> I didn't hear anything uh, but yeah the spam man like I the, you know like it's been using the forester especially smoke jumping forever it's like a staple you know and then uh, mm-hmm. oh, I was going to say I was, I was uh, still working on um, a little side project called smoke jumper kitchen and so I'm gonna use my airstream and then just do more like camping, backpacking meals and yes. and a few like specialty things. And um, actually, fellow the job corps, he's he uh, is a culinary arts uh, professor, teacher, chef, um, all those things at once. <laughs> and uh, lots of hats. Yeah, lots of hats. He does everything. Um, but he worked in some uh, pretty high end kitchens, I think. You mm. know, and like head chef stuff. So um, we were just t- shooting. You know shooting around ideas about like uh just cooking and i always pick his brain because i'm like anyone who, I, who knows more than me about anything i feel bad for him if they're around me because i'm gonna bug him because i'm like <laughs> i want to know more and uh so like we were talking just about like cooking and different like uh, tips you know to make my shabby cooking taste a lot better <laughs> and uh which i yeah, learned a lot from him and yeah he's like talking about his cookbook he's working on so i gotta check back with him because that was like two years ago and um but I was like, yeah, man, would you, would you want to come on? He's like, absolutely. So he's going to, you know, when, whenever I get it rolling, I'm going to have him on and then like, you know, show his cookbook and stuff and he's going to do like a recipe from it. And that's kind of what will be happening. Cause like, as you guys know, probably in the military too, like people are like, you meet these folks that are just awesome at cooking. Like they just oh, yeah. have a nose for mm-hmm. it, you know, Tyrell. Oh really? Yeah. Dude can cook. Man. See? Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to do some. Uh, episode of Smoke Tripper Kitchen. Oh, and, yeah. And there'll be lots of spam cooking, you know, like, because that's uh, one of the deals, too, for like people who don't know, like rookies uh, in the Smoke Jumper world. It's not like, I mean, no one really enforces it. It's just kind of more of a fun thing. And, and most of the rookies just do it just because it's like part of that culture. Is like they'll, they'll go back and help set up camp usually a little early, you know, get things rolling and get like stuff ready, kind of like for dinner and whatever else, you know, get things set up. Because usually, like, when you land, you go right to the fire and things are just kind of scattered. So they mm-hmm. gather things in a, in a camp, maybe make a fire ring and maybe make a fire depending on how late it is. So then part of that is, um, you know, making your own spam recipe. Like, so people bring like some extra stuff. Like we had like wasabi Sam, we had, uh, wasabi Sam, wasabi spam. Yeah. And then, uh, there's like this honey, honey. How do you know about spam? that alter ego? Yeah. Dude, you know, wasabi Sam comes out, comes out in full moons. <laughs> but yeah. So like, I mean, I'll have a, you know, a few like spam recipes and stuff like, um, and I'll try like something else there too, but. Yeah, it'll be good, man. How about you, James? Much of a call? Well, I'll have to tune in for it. Yeah. I cook a lot by volume, not by quality. That's uh, kind of the same, man. Like, <laughs> if I could if I could uh, really have more self-control and just kind of get an evening, like Sunday evening, and just whip out, like, eight meals, you know? That's <laughs> yeah. what I do for my week, you know? Like, chicken and ground beef or something, you know? And just alternate <laughs> throughout the week. Yep. Mm-hmm. For lunch and dinners. I kind of go back and forth on the meal prep thing. I'll meal prep really, really well. And do like protein shakes and banana for breakfast and then a meal prepped lunch and then I'll make a dinner or I'll have prep dinners and it'll be pretty small, you know, yeah. small steak and some spinach, something like that. Do super good. 
And then I will go through these periods where I'm like, look, if I cut this frozen pizza into eighths, that's eight meals. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. That's weird. Cause yeah, we all got that. Like where you hit yeah. these motivation periods and it's like no big deal. And then you get these like lazy bone periods where it's oh, yeah. like, feel like you're bringing the weight around with you. Just like, I just, oh, just don't feel like doing much today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the eternal mm-hmm. battle, man. It is. Internal, internal. Porking all those. Yeah, both. No, I'm not <laughs> following you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I had to pause that one. Like, is that going anywhere? <laughs> Um, oh man, I'm I'm in the late stages of one of the lazy times right now, where I'm I'm finally coming out of that, and I'm making stuff like almost every other day, kind of stuff. Oh, good. Pretty pretty good quality. Well, I like it anyways. Good enough for me to call it quality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, better than pretty, <laughs> Oh my god. And consistently like cook decent stuff. Have some stuff for the next couple of days. Yeah. But I got to tell you, the last couple of weeks. I have been living on burritos and quesadillas. Ooh, <laughs> it's hard to be a burrito, though. It is, and it's so easy. And it's like yeah. I already got the ground beef cooked. I've got black beans. I've got some really good spicy salsa. Like get all your food groups in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> protein and protein and cheese. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect little carbs from the from the wrap. Yeah. <laughs> set up. Yeah, and I'm getting old. Like, and maybe the Crohn's do, but like if I eat too late, I'll mm. like a gut ache in the middle of the night. You oh know? man, <laughs> I think it's just old. You know, maybe a little bit of Crohn's, but. Yeah, could be both on that. These things happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just try to ignore them. You know, age is just a number. Keep telling myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to uh, Aaron McCowan about that. I don't. Have you oh, met yeah. Aaron? No, but like, tr- he's up at Spotted Bear Troopers. He is. Me. Yeah. You should have him on this podcast, guys. He's another James. He, oh, really? he <laughs> very knowledgeable, very very bright guy who is uh, very good at speaking. As I am, obviously not. And uh, <laughs> we, we got that in common. <laughs> But uh, shoot, what were we just talking about prior to this? Why? why did Food. He, You're um, very good at speaking. There was some speaking. reason that he needed to be on this podcast. McCown. Well, other than him being uh, burritos, might have been that. Health. Oh, yeah. it was health. Oh. It was health. Mm. So he's a, a few years older than me, and <laughs> he was my supervisor many moons ago down in Sula. And I mean, as part of the fire um, culture, it, you tend to work hard, play hard, and by play hard, Absolutely. that usually means drink too many beers um, on most nights after work until too late. And then get up too early to do the same thing. Oh, exactly. And in 24 hour rotation. So one of those days we're drinking beers and it's late and he's like, it's stupid. We drink way too many beers and then you wake up tomorrow and you're like, why do I feel like shit? (laughs) (laughs) Such a young age, man. And then you do that like 97 times in a row over the summer. And then finally fall comes around. You're like, I should eat a salad. (laughs) Go to bed at eight. (laughs) Yeah, I should take a break. Drink (laughs) some water. Yeah, Yeah, man. It's it's funny how that's resonated more with me Mm -hmm. now that I get a little bit older. I'm like... Should probably go to bed. Uh, why am I not in bed? It's like nine forty-five. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The hardest part I have is when, like, we're at, you know summer solstice time when it's yes, the, yeah. you know sun does mm. not go away until like eleven. You're like, oh, like fully dark, you know, until like eleven. You know, it's like, oh, I gotta say that was one of the funniest things you've ever said to me. Was I think when we first met and you were like, yeah, I really want you, you want to be on the podcast. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, somehow we got talking about Deer Mountain and you were like, well, I think you know, she's a little bit older than us. I imagine she probably goes to bed with the sun. And that was during the height of summer solstice. And I didn't say anything at the time, but I was like, dude, I go to bed with the sun. The sun doesn't go down to like 1145. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause I tried to, I try to give, uh, uh, Ellie, uh, well I did, I did, we, we mirror flashed and then I was like waiting for her, uh, her, uh, tower light to go on. Cause that's like, yeah. everyone talked about like when they were able to staff medicine or if they just stayed in medicine point, like even the logbook was like, it's so cool because you look across see the light from Sula and they can look across and see Deer Mountain, mm-hmm. you know? So I was like waiting mm-hmm. and then there's no light. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> She's asleep. Yeah, she probably turned in like a smart person. You know? I do have people say that to me quite frequently though where they're like, I never see your lights on. I'm like, I don't really 
use them. Like yeah. usually I just go to bed. Yeah. But Smart. Every <laughs> yeah. <laughs> every now and then though, I'll turn them on. But yeah, a lot of the local folks will come up and be like, oh, I didn't think anyone was up here. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I don't keep the lights on all night. <laughs> yeah, because I because me and you were talking about uh, Thrill Kill, who just retired. You know, and, uh, you know his family's been in the valley forever, mm-hmm. and he grew up. You know, his whole life here, and um, you know, one of his family house is still just north there, north of uh, Hamilton there. But he's talking about a kid coming up from like Darby or something, and during the summer, and you know, he'd look up and he could see the, the Ward Mountain lookout when it used to be a tower up there, yeah. and he could see the light glowing. And there's not much light pollution, so he, he said that you know, like Hamilton was way smaller. There wasn't a whole lot of lights on in Hamilton mm. in the town, really. So like that little glow from the lantern up in uh, up in Ward Mountain was was you know pretty clear. I was like, man, that had to be cool. Like I wish, wish I could have like a painting or something of that. You know, like a cool painting of. Just you know, I don't mean even a car going down the highway, but a little you know light of the Ward Mountain. Yeah, no, that's really cool. That's yeah. that's one thing I want to improve is like my artistic ability, so I could paint something like that. Because yeah. you think about all the cool stuff we've seen. Yeah, I have. I can count on one hand in all the years that I've been more of an outdoorsman than I used to be when I was younger. One hand, the amount of pictures that do it any kind of justice. That's yeah. any decent at all. If I could paint half of the stuff that I've seen, I'd be so happy. Oh, dude. Yeah, so many artists out there, like just the, the two off my head or uh, top of my head are Charlie Russell and Terry Redland. You know, mm-hmm. the two that like I really enjoy. Terry Redland does more like this kind of Midwest, uh, like pheasants, farm fields, hunting, like old school mm-hmm. kind of you know, canoes and stuff. It's really cool. And then, you know, of course, Charlie Russell's, you know, grew up most of his life around Great Falls and a lot more of the cowboys and indians and the western scenes you know and yeah really cool yeah, it's such a talent for it and it's incredible like uh, anytime i've gotten to go down to the museum i'm like impressed every time yeah man so cool dude and man and if you you know it makes me wonder too like you growing up and my grandma growing up cause my great my great grandpa actually had ran into him a few times he's just like a man of the town you know <laughs> oh, back in the day that's wild yeah it's really cool yeah it's so cool it's so my great grandpa the one who bought the airstream i use for the studio you'll have to see it sometimes james it's pretty cool yeah, 65 I'll- all right. <laughs> yeah. All right. But um, I can't remember. Yeah, no big deal. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Charlie, I want to say Charlie Russell lived to like 1930 something, I think, before he, he passed away. And um, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I know, but I'm probably wrong on that. But uh, yeah, so I like can just in, like passing and stuff. My great grandpa had, had ran into him a few times. And so it's kind of mm-hmm. cool story. But I, I guess that's where my um, liking for his paintings kind of started, you know, hearing the stories of my great great grandpa. And yeah, refreshment. Still working. Gotcha. Oh. Um, but I was thinking, like, as my grandma's a kid and when you were a kid, mm. probably probably a little more rare for when you were a kid, but there, I mean, he used to just kind of give paintings and, and uh, sculptures away because he used to sculpt, wow. be a sculptor too, you know? So I have a, I have a story about one of his paintings. Really? Um, I was hoping this was going to go this way. So I was, uh, I was a kid in Washington for a little bit um, when my dad was working at, uh, at uh, what would become JBLM. I think it was just Fort Lewis at the time. Oh. And I was really big into Cowboys, a little kid. And he put up a picture that he'd had as a kid when he was growing up in Billings up on the wall. And I didn't realize this, but it was a, a Charlie Russell. Oh. And it's it's the one of um, Zola Cowboys uh, partying as they go into the saloon. Oh. Um, like really tearing up the front of the, the building. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was really cool. And some um, then it was funny. So eventually we moved to Montana, not just Montana, but Great Falls where he's from. Yeah. And then um, I'm going to, I'm taking a class and you learn about him. We do a school field trip there. And they have a big print of that one, and it's a much larger size. And um, they come around, and they're like, yeah, so this is a, a, a print of one that's on loan to us from a museum in Texas. We don't, they don't actually know where the original is. I was like, oh, that's wild. Oh, that's thing because I have it at home. I have, a, you know, what I assumed was a print of that at home. Yeah. And then I, I come home, and I'm looking at it, and you know how, like, on those kind of pictures, the light hits it, you can see stuff. I move to the side, and the light hits it, 
and it hits it on the side, and there's an R pressed into it, into oh, one corner. Oh, really? And so I've always suspected I have the original. It's it's not an oil painting. Like, it is a print, but it's it's got a very distinctive stylized R put into... Oh. Someone's pressed into one side of the of the, um, the picture. Oh, really? So I, I always like to think that I have the original. <laughs> yeah, that is but wild. the problem is it's not an oil painting. No, I was just going to ask, because like, yeah, that's a lot of times to give way to if you get to the side. Oil painting has a little bit of, like, rise, right, where the, where the paint dries? Yeah, you'd, you'd be able to see that. And I looked yeah. and was like, no, it's all, it's all flat. Oh, but, man. That's still... It's kind of cool, though. Like, mm-hmm. I, And no one knows where the original is. I'm told. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, because like that's what I heard too. Like like saloons all around uh, Great Falls. Mm-hmm. You know, had Charlie Russell's in them and stuff. And especially before he got you know famous, and was like selling for any kind of money. Just selling for a little bit of money. I heard you know, and and he lived in Cascade for a little bit when he. Yeah, he had a, he had an incredible life, yeah. and then like not just all of that, but like by the end of his life, he was very famous. And yeah, um, I I love this picture. They they had it at the museum and it's picture of him and he's like he's got some carvings working on this some guys looking around him really interested and I guess uh, someone was doing like um, dude ranch kind of trips oh. for people who wanted the cowboy experience and he was yeah. hired to just come out and hang out and tell stories and be part of the experience. <laughs> that's so cool. And I was like, that's man. great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And he, do you guys know about his place in uh, Glacier, like around Lake McDonald? What? I don't know much about it. Yeah. So, about it. Yeah. I didn't so, know that. Yeah. Like I I didn't know about it until more like recently. Well, I think it was that PBS special that I watched that kind of did a like a chronological following of his life, of his life you know, the whole the whole story and stuff, and um, and that's how I think I know. I think that I'm, I'm mm. fairly certain that was the age he, he passed away, so I, that's why I threw that number out there. I could be wrong, but um, but he had this uh, cabin on Lake Mental, and he also used it like as a studio. So he'd invite in invite in other artists and especially help coming artists and help him help him out and they'd share ideas and stuff, and then. Um, I think he got his place before it was, it was a, uh, national park. I think it became a national, actually I'm almost positive it became a national park in 1910 because of the, me the, you know, the great burn in 1910, you know? So, and I think he got his place in like 1905, which also is the first year of the Forest Service. So I could be getting these numbers wrong because <laughs> <laughs> there are, there are other numbers, but, uh, but it's, yeah, somewhere around that time frame for sure. And there, you know, like, like you said, the storytelling, like he'd go over to the Lake McDonald Lodge, like right after it was built and, you just hang out in like the kind of saloon area, I guess, and like share stories around the fire. And then I don't, I don't know, like if there's a road there, if we just like would motor over in a boat. So like that's some stuff I always want to figure out. But man, such a, like you said, such a cool life he lived, and mm-hmm. and had you know lived with like Indians and had friends. You know, like a, one of the paintings, the prints I have in my house is where he's introducing his friends. And I can't remember the, the name of the Indian fellow, but you know, he's like one of the prominent people in the mm-hmm. in the painting there. And in that uh, PBS special, they talk about it too. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, no, he's li- lived a whole, a very full life, and it's certainly earned mm-hmm. his place on the, the, uh, the list of Montana heroes. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, and worked his way, you know, from uh, St. Louis or something, I think, right, in the Midwest, I think, and made his way over and adopted the lifestyle of a Western kind of cowboy there. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. And then, so you being like an archaeology and historian, mm-hmm. so I get, you know, I'd probably like plays a little bit in your, in your interests, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, um, I guess, how do you mean? Uh, just because, like, like I, I guess I'm kind of more throwing a, uh, a feeler out there to see what you're interested in. in oh, the project sure, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm abs- absolutely, yeah, big interest in any kind of history yeah. and seeing part of it. And uh, I like to think archaeology in some ways is a very physical, practical way to work in history. Yeah, get your hands um, on it. Yeah, get your hands on it, but you're, you're, you know, you're involved in the actual doing and the actual finding, as it were. Yeah. Um, I was doing, after I got out of the army, I was doing general anthropology and I did the archaeology intro class. 
And one of the TAs said, like, oh, I think you'd like to come out on the dig. Like, I think you'd really enjoy it. We're, we're doing this um, a dig this summer as a field school up in Canada. And I was like, all right. Well, I looked and I was like, yeah, okay, I can do that. I can. Um, so I went out there with them. I had an absolute blast. We, would, we were out digging six days a week, and we would get up early, um, go up to the site, excavate for until about four, and we'd walk from there over to the um, the bar, and we'd have a, have a good evening there, and yeah. go back, go to sleep, and repeat it the next day. That <laughs> sounds awesome, man. Probably exciting yeah. every day, right? Because you're so, probably uncovering a little more of whatever you're on the dig, right? Yeah. Um, without getting too much into it, it was um, it was pit it was uh, pit houses, and so oh. um, we were very lucky that um, it referred to as bands up in Canada. So the oh. local Native American band uh, had us out there, and um, my the professor who was running the dig had a really good relationship with them, and so we were able to do an excavation at this uh, pit house. And in previous years. They dug, um, they'd excavated items that had been come from uh, sort of a historic period. And so one of, the, one of the objects was a horseshoe that had a number that they were able to trace back to New York City. Whoa. And so we were below that because um, as far as we could tell, this had had multiple occupations over time. So people had lived here, and then when they're moving out or when they're, they're done living there, they generally burn down the top on it and then, um, you know, build up top of it again. So there's several layers down oh, for wow. us to see the way these people lived. Um, and some, you know, so we'd find tons and tons of salmon vertebrae and salmon bones. Oh. We'd find evidence of uh, charcoal from the hearths or from the um, the actual beams from the house as they didn't come down. So yeah. hey, it was uh, for the uninitiated. What's uh, a pit house? Oh yes, I'm so sorry. Um, so <laughs> good question. <laughs> uh, they vary, of course, across the world in North America. But in this case, a pit house would refer to a um, if you'd have a house, you'd dig out a little bit into the ground, um, a couple feet, sometimes a little bit more. And then you would build um, usually sort of like a dome on top of it. Um, the the most famous are probably you guys might be familiar with pictures of like the Mandan villages mm-hmm. from like uh, Lewis and Clark's trip. Yeah. But there's these all kinds of variations. Um, and a lot of times, you know, you'd build these up, and it uh, it would be uh, with dirt, or you'd build them up with um, with roof beams. They'd have like full uh, wooden beams, and then built up on top of that. And then sometimes people would enter from the top. Sometimes. You'd be set up to enter from the side. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's just a common, huh. just very common across, I, you know, not just North America, but the world. Right. That's yeah, wild. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And so, and it's, so that was such a good experience. I, I asked one of the, a different TA, and I was like, yeah, what would it, what would it um, take to switch my major? And they helped me out, and was, that was the rest. And then um, from there, I was lucky to volunteer with the Forest Service. Uh, an archaeologist um, let me come out and do some survey with them in a volunteer status and i that's when i knew i loved it and that got me a lot of practical education and how to do it and so by, by the time i was done doing fire and done with my degree i was ready to move into a, a regular seasonal job oh yeah yeah as as an archaeologist seasonal yeah so um the kind of archaeology career path well i mean to, to zoom out the archaeology career path is you uh, you go work at a museum Mm. which is very hard to get that job because people who have them tend to hold on to them. I bet, yeah. Um, you can do uh, like job-to-job um, CRM contract work, so cultural resource management um, for different fir- uh, forms, uh, firms. There's, um, to make a long story short, most construction in the United States needs an archaeologist to take a look at the area first and check if there's any um, cultural resources there, either physically check in, maybe dig in a test pit, and also like looking at the records. So a lot of places will contract that work out. Oh, gotcha. Um, and sometimes it's referred to as shovel bumming because you'll go from job to job, company <laughs> to company. Um, and then the last thing, uh, big vector for archaeologists is, to, is forcers or federal work or BLM. So you can do, um, you could work for one of them. And so generally you start off as a seasonal. I started as, I think, a, a GS4. Oh, and um, our main job that year was surveying. So like, all right, we want you to go out and do survey and you're checking for cultural materials. 
with the, the understanding like that you have an archaeological education and background, you're able to identify you know, things that will have cultural significance. And so then, so we do that. We spent the summer doing that, and then occasionally we got pulled for other things to help with. Um, and then as I've gone on, I've done more. I've write, written more and more site reports, um, more big projects. Um, right, if, uh, if we have a, a vandalism on the forest oh. that affects our, our historic or um, pre-contact materials, I'll, I'll uh, you know, write up a bit on that. Um, come out and advise on fires as like a reed or a reef, yeah. Yeah, which you'd probably be familiar with. That's what I first got yeah, introduced to archaeology folks was on fires. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's a part of it. And then um, we also, it, uh, I like that we're there with the public. You know, a lot of times we'll get people come in and they're like, hey, you know, my great-grandfather just passed away and we have this picture of him working for the Forest Service out here. And we'll, we'll try to help him find, you know, where that picture was taken or see yeah. if we can find any record about him. So Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, I yeah. love the work. Yeah, it's amazing. And I didn't realize the private sector I do Because I know, like, being a Forest Service employee and in my new position, partnership coordinator, I help, you know, like, with partnerships, a lot with the job corps come to help us do work like yeah, this yeah. F- fence in spring gulch you know just like right down there yeah um and we could you know like uh what we could do is use the existing post holes and you know put in a new version of the fence using the old post holes so we didn't dis- disturb the site but to actually f- what happened is it it ran onto someone's private ground and probably back in the day it was like a partnership agreement because they probably had a, a fence too so they're like yeah whatever man we'll, we'll save me money by putting more fence on my property but now it's like you know we're trying to keep all of our stuff on our land so liabilities and stuff whatever probably and um, so to make it true to the, the forest service boundary, um, mm-hmm. it's going through new territory. So it's, it needs like the arc approval and, and, yeah. and stuff probably. Huh? They probably came out and did a little survey and then might've dug a test pit. Oh, they haven't yet, but yeah, it's in the works. Cause mm-hmm. so they just replace the existing fence and then it can only take it so far cause it, it needs. Yeah. What, what I mean, about. and in this case, like you're saying, if you have already disturbed ground and you're redoing it, then generally you know, it's it's not as intensive a review you do. You still do look at something. Yeah. And it'll come down to what your agreement with the um, state office is. So oh, gotcha. every, uh, yeah, I believe every state has a state historic preservation office. And so um, part of working for the federal government as an archaeologist is liaison with them and oh. making sure we're on the same page on stuff. So. Oh, yeah. I think, and let me know if I'm wrong here, mm-hmm. but from what I heard is that we're a 50-year deal. So if things over 50 years old in the forest, oh, it so, becomes historic or so something. Gener- yeah, so when you talk about archaeology, um, like, right, how old is something an artifact? So generally, yeah, that's what it is, yeah. the it's 50 years is considered, um, something's considered part of the historical record, and then an object's an artifact. Um, a lot of archaeologists, well, not a lot, but there's archaeologists who are talking about switching that date around, because as we've moved on, you know, now we're getting to where things from the, the 80s could be. Like we're starting to push up that into being um, uh, artifacts. So <laughs> is that so weird? Yeah, um, <laughs> artifact. And so a lot of people are talking like, well, is that is that where it should be? Maybe we should. But for now, that's fifty years is what it is. Yeah. Um, and so that's when also all these laws take effect. Oh, gotcha. And then for um, historics, uh, so generally um, North American archaeology is either um, a historic or um, pre-contact. It used to be called prehistoric. Oh. Um, and so it, the cutoff is Lewis and Clark. So if it's pre-Lewis and Clark, it's pre-contact, before contact. Yeah. And if it's after, it's considered historic. Oh. And so that kind of helps us, our two arrows of what we're looking for um, where, when I'm doing any kind of work. Uh, you know, and then um, I was talking about the state offices. If I'm in a pre-contact uh, site or if I'm looking and I find something that's uh, maybe stone tools or something that's significant to the tribes in there, then I would reach out to the tribal historic preservation officer oh, cool. for um, the relevant tribe or really any tribe that might have an interest and like just, you know, bring them in on it so that they can um, 
uh, you know, let us know their opinion. Let us know what they'd like to do on it. Get their take. Yeah, that's really cool. And they, yeah, they might have a little more knowledge on it. Right? Like, oh yeah, this oh, is, fantastic. You know, yeah. yeah, it's it's so uh, it's been really good, and it's part of you know they talk a lot about it being a government to government relationship. So it's it's a very important fun thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's cool, man. You kind of tying tying some timelines together, maybe for you know the native folks, and and then just like for our history, you know, like seeing like oh yeah, there's some people here before, you know, and here's the evidence. Well, yeah, that's exactly it, and they. Um, uh, the the different a different tribe or something might say is like yeah this was this was traditionally an area and sometimes there's some overlap and so you know they'll talk about that and we'll learn we learn more about the history of the world and the hope would be that we help them more learn more about their history yeah totally man yeah kind of closing circles like I was kind of getting out there that's super cool man do you have like an area that you specialize in or are you just kind of like broad so I've I've been pretty broad but I've had a lot of experience with rock art. Oh. And, um, and like, so we, any kind of stone tool from, uh, arrowheads to scrapers to hand axes, we would call lithics. lithics. So, um, not that I have any extra education or like I've gone after it, but I've just run into it so much oh, yeah. that I, I've had some extra experience with that. Oh, gotcha. Um, yeah, from you... here where I was working, so working over around Great Falls, between Great Falls and Helena and the Little Belts, oh, yeah. um, there's ton, tons and tons of, of course, historics, but also we had plenty of lithics in the area. Oh. Um, just a little bit further over now, though, I'm over in Oregon. Uh, the spot I'm at, not nearly as many. Oh, really? Um, huh. And they're not, not as active or something, or just different kind of people. It's hard to say. Yeah. There's there's a you know many different theories on what it could be. Um, I think a lot of stuff comes down to the materials because it's mm. they have to have stuff available. Um, but it could be just the part of the forest I've been working on. Oh. The other thing, um, like historically, that's different. So. We have a bunch of mining out here in Oregon, very little mining, but because of the 50 year rule, we have historic, um, recreation now. Oh, we have like lodges that are considered historic. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so they get, um, they get special preservation or would, um, if someone wants to do something with it, you know, we have to make sure it's like, all right, well you can't, you can't disrupt the way the kind of basically the way it looks. Yeah. Kind of, well, kind of like if you buy an old historic, like house or something in a East coast, so you see a lot of them, you know, like in this old house, I'm a big fan. Um, but you know, like you can only change so much, right? You kind of connect. So if something's, um, part of the national register of historic places, then you can't change. I think it's like the profile of the building. So a good example is, um, in Seattle, there's a a genetics building that it's It was before it was a factory and it was right on the water lake and you can see it from the interstate. And if you look over, you see, it's got, um, these big tubes. And if you look not even that carefully, you can see those tubes are just, tubes on top of the building they're not smokestacks oh but because the building is a national register of historic places you can't change the profile so the people who currently own it they have to have the same the profile <laughs> for it to be you know because it's considered historically important yeah mm-hmm. that's wild just like vent tubes or something or um I, th- I think originally it was some kind of factory so it had these either oh, cooling or, or some kind of smokestacks yeah. too but um yeah now they're just for show but then that is important to, to do it yeah. Um, it's not the, the wording of it, but I like to think like, do we need, do we need this to tell the story of this area? And yeah. if the answer is yes, well, then it should probably be on there. Yeah, That's that, kind of like the, the rule of thumb I go by. Yeah. And I like that too. Cause then, um, you know, you look at these old photos mm-hmm. and you see like, especially if building as unique as that. And then, you know, for me, like just a, a fan of history driving through, I'd be like, Oh yeah. You know, like, like it gives me kind of warm feelings. Like there it is. It's still there, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah, you, you just see so many things go away in, in just a, one person's lifetime, you know, so the well, exactly. stuff is really cool to me. Exactly. And that's, um, 
you know, it's uh, you. You've probably seen if you follow like any um, historic preservation society online or something, their pictures and they're like, oh, it's unknown. This is somewhere in the town, but like unknown for it. So it's it's incredible how much stuff still is easy to get lost. You know, I think that nobody thinks in their own time that they they need to write down the stuff. I don't. True. Uh, none of us would think we need to explain how that oven works or that stovetop works for frying yeah. an egg. But you know, that stuff, that knowledge could be lost. And you know, learning more about how we lived. Yeah. Um, even these beer cans will tell people about how we lived and what was important to us someday when, when they excavate the lookout. <laughs> no, I actually do think about that a little bit because, you know, we run a little bit of trash in the woods. You can get like the old pop tops where you just like oh, yeah. rip the top off to mm-hmm. open the beer can. And that's just the way it was, you know, so it came completely off the can and you had these little pop tops everywhere, you know. Yeah. Well, and then um, the different can- cans and bottles are a great way to date a site. Oh. So, you know, it's so um, difficult to date a site, right? Because it's, it's not often a sign or anything that's going to tell you old it was but if i can find um certain kind of pop tops or certain kind of bottles with a, a maker's mark on the bottom or certain um colors of glass i can get a sense of what um what was in it oh, yeah. just from us knowing typologies in the past but also like when it was when it would have been made so i've arranged for how old the site was that someone would have had it there oh, yeah, yeah. um unfortunately you know when we get into stuff that's pre-contact it's much more difficult but there are there are still ideas of um stratigraphy like the kind of like what i was saying with the um the field scores on the, because we found something and we can date it, and then we find something under it that's not been disturbed, we can reasonably say, all right, that stuff is older that we found lower. Yeah, yeah. Um, carbon dating, of course, has changed everything and added a lot to the field. Yeah. But And I, mean, I got two questions, actually. But the first one is, why do you think people were would always burn? Because like, I was at a site in, and you probably know the place, um, can't, no, no, Mesa Verde, Mesa Verde? In Colorado, so, mm-hmm. so Southwest, and they had some of the like pit uh, dwellings up above where the all the cliff dwellings are, mm-hmm. and they had, you know the historic thing that I read, and it was like you said, there was remnants of a pre-structure before the, even the structure that they had mm-hmm. found, which was kind of caved in by the time somebody discovered it, but they could tell like the layers. Like, why, why do you think they would burn it down to do that? I so my and I don't know if this is like the prevailing theory. Something so it's just me, but yeah. it's it's uh, I think they identified, hey, this is a good place. And maybe this building isn't working out, but we're going to essentially tear it down or clear it out of the air. And an easy way to do it is burn it so we can build mm. something new here. Yeah, true. Um, so much. Pre, uh, pre, pre like heavy equipment. So, like yeah. Said, yeah. Well, we do. So we do because it, it was no like, um, you know, their pioneers would often burn down their cabins when they're moving to get the nails back or to, oh. um, to get certain things back. So there might have been some of that, too. Yeah. Um, but when we try to predictive model to try to guess where a site is, you know, we can look through some things that will help us decide. So. You know, we're looking out here. No one's. There's not going to be a site, necessarily, like a habitation site, on the side of that hill, yeah. because you just can't camp on it, right? You can't live on it now. You can't. It's not going to work. So we know certain slopes are going to be. It. We know an area that maybe that there's no water for, uh, like, a longer than it's reasonable to go. There's unlikely to be people there. Yeah, that makes sense. So if you have a good site that it's, hey, there's food nearby, there's water, yeah. that you have these things available. Well, then there's, you want to hold on to it in that sense. So that's why I would imagine that someone would be it's like, all right, we're going to essentially reclaim this land. Give it to this old building and put something new on top of it. Yeah, man. My brain kind of got stuck on uh, the uh, part where you said, off the sucker, where you said, uh, burn down your nails and bring them with you if you're moving. Could you imagine the work in that? <laughs> I was just thinking I mean, about that standing outside and get the your, your cabin, just yeah. like kind of heating your hands like well when all this is done and the ash is finally a little cool i'm gonna sift through this and get all these nails back well do you do you want to do that or or on your cabin here on sula peak (laughs) or do you want to walk to missoula i'm sorry hellgate (laughs) Uh, true you you could yeah you can go you can go to hellgate and it'll take you a week to go buy some new nails or i could burn it this down since i'm leaving anyway and get my nails a little horse ride to hellgate (laughs) yeah no and i totally valid like i understand why same 
but, but geez, yeah, to, for that to be your best option, well, that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Also crazy, man. Like I the, do. Everything just took so much longer. But go ahead, man. I could. Oh, I was gonna say I have a little anecdote about James' uh, career. I have a lot of respect and um, fascination with your line of work. I think it's super cool. I could never be a good archaeologist, though. Spoken to by my younger self when we were on the fire crew together constantly stumble across half buried stuff and i just oh my god look at this this is so cool and this had to happen i could count on two hands the amount of times this happened i'd be like whoa look at this and i pull it out of the ground like james come here james and he's like put it down you idiot what are you doing (laughs) the idea is to not disturb it guy (laughs) and i i think i learned that lesson not at all (laughs) no and it's a it's a big one because um where you find something is as important as what you found um it's, it's always explained to me like a crime scene in yeah. that like well, where it is helps us pick out the story of what's there. So um, I was the equivalent of the <laughs> the brand new green detective walking up to the senior detective with like the murder victim's head in my hands. Yeah. And, and I was like, I found this. And and check, like, out these, check out these bullet cases <laughs> I found. What are you doing? I got my fingerprints all over them. <laughs> check out a sweet knife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that garbage I found it in the head. Yeah, it's all weird. <laughs> but yeah, but, um, and it's, so it's something we always try to say and that's... Um, so sorry, you know, James. You know, yes, that's yeah. the the posters like that get put up. Say you know, just leave it be, yeah. and you know, take mm-hmm. a take a picture and know the location, and then swing by the ranger station and let the your local archaeologist know. That's a good, that's a good P, uh, PSA message, public mm-hmm. service announcement. Service announcement. Hey, yeah, t- together we are one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, because for sure, man. I mean, I'm getting a decent enough following now. Like you know, this will reach some folks and. For people, you know, I'm like you, Sam. I'd be like, "Whoa, what is this?" And I bring it to somebody, like, "Hey, look!" And they'd be like, "Where'd you find it?" I'd be like, oh, "On the hill." And they'd well, be like, uh, "I'm like, oh, yeah, I should have left yeah. it on." Well, and that's just it. And that's you know, and I think with most people, it comes from like wanting to help. We're like, exactly. "Oh, this that's is great. I'm gonna, I've heard about this, and I want to go, go turn it in." But yeah, it's yeah. knowing the context is very important. Because um, and it's uh, it could be as simple as something as certain kinds of stone tools. Well. Knowing that's in that location may be very important to a tribe. Yeah, totally, so. man. Yeah, because I could see like guys like me and Sam being like carrying like a you know spearhead or something like really delicately like hey, I'm, I did good, right? And you'd be like, no, and, <laughs> no, bad boy. Yeah. And more than that, it's the you know even um, like, collecting arrowheads used to be a Boy Scout merit badge. Yeah, um, I forgot about and that, it's, man. And what you know, and now we're like, we, they didn't know better. And now no. and it's it's a big shame to lose all of that. But now because we do know better, yeah, we try to always tell people. Yeah. I think that was even still a thing when I was there, because that's kind of more recent, isn't the, the Arrowhead thing? I, I'm just trying to remember my Boy Scout days. I got pretty yeah. far. I Did don't think. Hmm. Yeah, me too. I was a uh, life or, yeah, I think it was. What's the second to last one? Life, I think. Then and I was then there's life, Eagle. Yeah, because yeah, it's like Star, Life, Eagle. And uh, I, I think I only had like one thing to do to get Eagle Scout. Mm-hmm. And I was in high school and thought I had better things to do. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, funny cra- how that cra- takes over. Yeah, crazy to look back and, yeah. Yeah, it's like I just had to dedicate like one day and I could have got my Eagle Scout. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I think my greatest shame for doing that, grabbing something and coming running to James was uh, that little animal trap. Oh, really? Oh, we were on uh, Roaring, Roaring Lion Fire. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. And it was this rusted out old trap next to a river and oh, it was wow. sweet. But yeah, I found it, thought it was awesome, picked it up. It's like rinsing it off and stuff like that in the mm. river and brought it over to James. Like, check this thing out, man. And you're just like, I just, yeah. I that, did it that now. Look, I'm like, yeah. I'm like cringing uh. now because you're cleaning it. Yeah. There, yeah. Stop. Stop what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's going to be but tough, it, James. But no, it, it's, it's fascinating to, to try to create a picture of the past and how people lived. And it's, um, yeah. the, the other thing that surprised me getting into it was uh, how much 
tra- trash is important. Trash is really yeah. important to figuring out how people lived and because, you know, it's what they left behind, what they had, um, you know, more than like you might assume it's like, oh, well, it's, maybe we'll find the lost amulet of something. But it's to, to really get a picture of how people live, you try to get a, how they live. Yeah. Um, people find like a lost Big Mac and from our generation. Like it, it still looks like the picture. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I, sh- I show people a rock star can when I'm like doing a, a yeah. thing. I was like, some, it's, like it's uh, the Indiana Jones. It's worthless today. But someday it'll be priceless when they excavate my house. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly, man. Oh. Speaking of excavating Sula, um, I've been digging a little fire pit out here. Yeah. And I got real bored one day. And I was like, I could make a nice one. Yeah. Out of all the rock that's around here, you get like half a centimeter of bare grass and dirt up, and it's just all nails. Oh, really? There are so many. And I've piled a bunch at the base of the lookout between the, the concrete pad and the wall. So you can't really see them. They kind of fall into the gaps, right? But I just yeah. I didn't want to drive on them. And I was like, yeah. easy solution. Yeah. I started digging out there. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what to do with them all. Yeah, well, yeah cause it, I think it, that probably goes from all the different structures. You know, like uh, Reen Eustace, who's been on this podcast a bunch. Awesome guy. Shout out, Reen. But he, uh, you know, he, he's hit me with the timeline a few times. And I went to the FFLA, Forest Fire Lookout Association, and man, those people are awesome. They, they uh, invited me to speak and just such cool folks. Such those a good cool organization. I reached out to them for a project. They were super oh, really? helpful. Yeah, man, they're so yeah. great. And they're so passionate. They, you know, help keep Lookouts alive and mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. just great folks. If anyone wants to support them, uh, please do. But, uh, yeah, so, like, you know, going over the history of this just location itself, and, like, you were kind of talking, like, there's so, like it's not a really big time period, but because I'm not, yeah, since the lookouts were here in, like, the early 19-whatever, uh, 20s, 30s, or whatever it was, um, there was, like, the, what they call it? Oh, like, a, a grange shed. Like, mm-hmm. it was one of the originals, I think. And then maybe before that could have been a tent. And then, like, there was, like, a couple more versions before the one that burned up in 2000. And now we got this guy, you know, so it's like, there's a lot of activity up here. It's pretty wild. Yeah. There were over 600 lookouts in Region 1 at one point, Whoa. which is uh, Region 1 being, uh, for the Forest Service being um, the northern part of uh, Idaho, Montana, the Dakotas, and a little bit of Wyoming. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, but there was a big, por- at, at a certain point um, in different place, times, different places, but generally around the 60s, a lot of the old lookouts were taken down or burned down, and either new ones put up or we... We changed what we we're doing, so it's not unlikely that you know those nails are from the old lookout. You check with your forest archaeologist. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking the same thing though that like, yeah, there could be plenty from the old lookout that got yeah. scattered throughout here. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I, I could be, I could talk to old Matt about them. And you know, like the square nails, right? Aren't, aren't they supposed to be like the older ones, the kind of square head nails or whatever they are? There's a lot of lot of different ones. I mean, oh, that's okay. what's so cool about it is when you find stuff like that. You know, it's there's good enough records still of like when those were made or when those were most popular in certain areas uh, that we can get a, a closer date. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's cool, man. And you know, if it's if you have a good sense of things look or being about as old or being in the same time or at the same level, and you can date one thing, you can comfortably date everything else there. Oh, that's really cool, man. I'm, I'm really jealous of your job. Do you ever go like? We always need more people. Yeah, I know, <laughs> man. Hey, uh, I don't know if my health and human performance degree will help you on the in the field there, but well. <laughs> just be like feeding you electrolytes and <laughs> making sure you're eating right <laughs> make sure you get that gatorade yeah you're stretching <laughs> uh but yeah because like uh i'm working on a, a project here um there's a bunch of people like uh you know it's the clear nez i think started this the ets electronic touring sites i think is what they're called but they're basically these little wi-fi booths that are all on these historic routes that are right around here a lot in the clear nez lolo and then we got our magruder corridor and it I think the last one's in, at uh, Darby to start the trip. And so I'm, you know, going around gathering some content and working with the uh, archaeologists here in, in the Bitterroot. And, um, I mean, I'm just, like, so fascinated because I don't really know much about the Magruder Massacre site. And, like, when it first got explained to me, it was just kind of, like, 
in passing by somebody and they basically all I got from the story was that there was some guy carrying some gold from, you know, Bannock, Virginia city area. And his guys turned on him and killed him. And I'm like, why is it massacre? Wasn't it just like McGurr murder site then. And then I found out there was more to it. And like more people got killed. Animals were killed. And the, you know, the site, I actually visited the site one time and it's like, Ooh. man, yeah. And there's still, still some questions with that. Even though it was in like relatively recent history, they still don't know the hundred percent story on that yet. You know? Well, and it's funny you say like you, you, the one thing and then you find out more and more. Yeah. I was, um, I'm trying to think of how I don't want to get into too many details on it, but I was working on... Because, um, like, real honest, quick, you, yeah, you can't see a whole lot, right? Oh, so like, so professionally, um, archaeologists don't reveal, like, locations of site because the theft and um, vandalism risk is so high. Like, um, it's just, you can get on eBay and look up, and there's real artifacts out there for sale that they've been taken from their place. <laughs> um, maybe they've been taken from the... Uh, not just the place that they, they had them and sold, but, like, it... Right. it would realistically and very reasonably belong to the Native American tribe mm-hmm. and is getting sold on eBay. That's um, crazy. Um, or, and it, yeah, and it's the same. Or, um, you know, I, it, it hurts how many rock art sites I've seen that have been vandalized. Oh, that sucks. Um, that spray paint or some scratch their name or something over. Yeah, I've and, seen that too. Um, and the thing I put on there is, like, you know, the, uh, there's no amount of money that can make more of the past. Or to, like, we can try to restore it. And there are very good, talented people out there who can do some good work on it. But yeah. once we lose something, it's gone forever. And, you know, any... They're talking about telling the story of this area. Well, if I... Um, you guys are probably familiar with the rock art on um, Gates of the Bounds, you can see from the water. Yep, yep. Yeah, we lose that, and then we can't tell that part of the story. Because you need that to... to yeah. Yeah, totally. So well, yeah, very disappointed. But um, so in this case, I was working on a site, and there was um, uh, there had been so I was going in to check on the site. No one had been down here for twenty years, um, because the land had uh, changed ownership, and so I was checking the old site reports, and there was a site report from the first archaeologist who did uh, some basic work, and they had uh, this their analysis, and then um, ten years later there was uh, about ten years later there was an ar- another archaeologist. They hadn't been able to get to it because it was on private land now, so oh. they'd look at it from the side, and they'd written something up. And I was like, well, these kind of conflict with each other. Uh, um, so let's go take a look at it. Like, like the two theories kind of? Yeah, the two yeah. theories conflicted with each other a little bit. Um, my counterpart in Helen did some research. He found some other stuff that also conflicted. So we went out there and we took a look at it. Yeah. And I looked into it and I, um, we came to, you know, got some pictures, some geometry for it, and we came to some conclusions. And then um, it still didn't quite fit. So I, I was doing some more research and I talked to... Um, uh, a guy, someone who was like a modern expert in this kind of thing out in the community. And he turned, he had some insight on it. And then he's like, well, have you checked the newspaper records? And I went back and I checked the old newspaper records and I found something completely different. So where we had thought um, that this, this had been, it kind of like you said, we thought it was like, oh, it's one person, this and that. It was like yeah. a completely different story and it involves this guy's life. And so what I was like, well, we owe it to this guy to tell his story correctly. That's why we're out here to do it. And so is. Um, I was very happy to be a part of that, but I'm also really glad because I hope, you know, the same thing, if the same things happen to me someday that people tell the story of my life accurately. Yeah. You know? Hope so too, man. Yeah, totally. Cause like, I mean, it's, and it's almost, uh, to me, I think about it as like the, the telephone game, especially playing like classrooms, with little kids, like yeah. teacher starts a message and then it's supposed to get back to the teacher and mm-hmm. usually it's changed in quite, quite a different few ways and things maybe get added, mm-hmm. you know, and it seems like that's kind of the tale of history, right? I mean, it's, it's too easy for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's archaeology being done on Cold War sites now, oh. but which, you know, you think, wow. it's like, oh, well, we, we, people are still alive from then and we yeah. keep in better records, but there's still something to be learned. So, yeah, yeah man. Yeah, it's, it's funny the older we get and, like, the further we get from that time frame, the stuff you hear. I mean, like, the 
just you know the side note just i didn't know about it until more recent i don't even know when but pretty recently what that there was like a really close scare where there something happened with the systems and russia thought we'd like launched all our nukes at them so there's and it's just a glitch in their system i think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they just like took one cool-headed person and be like wait a minute this isn't right and figured out like Oh, it was a glitch. Or maybe it was on our side. I can't remember which side it was, but I want to see it was like a Russian. No, there was. Yeah, I, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I don't know the specifics, but yeah. Yeah, it's like, well, I mean, we were like like seconds and one bad decision away from like, you know, mm-hmm. cold, total catastrophe and, you know, probably nuclear winter, you know, mm-hmm. if we if we survived. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the, yeah, and there, things get lost. There's um history, Roman histories, you know, there's there are yeah. times where things are very well recorded by people who are there and there are times that like the only source we have is someone living hundreds of years later who wrote a history on it because the contemporary accounts were lost. Yeah, and probably one of the most glaring examples to me is like, you know, the pyramids. <laughs> like, how, where, why, you know? Well, I mean, does it's the pyramids are, are so incredible. Um, be careful, because it's quite, quite the dis- topic of discussion. But they're so oh. incredible because, do you know, um, uh, more time has passed between the creation of the pyramids and Cleopatra than Cleopatra and, to us. Oh man, I've they they were they wow. were ancient by by her day. Whoa, yeah, Whoa. I did not know that. Yeah, it's it's they're truly incredible. Yeah. Um, the I, same time the pyramids were being built, we we found um the like. Oh, I don't want to get this wrong, so I want to say it, but I believe that the the same time like the pyramids were getting finished, um on another part of the world there were still mammoths around. That is pretty wild. Oh, I got I got I got a couple things on that too. So like, uh, and this and you could probably tell me if I'm, if this is true or not. Um, but the one the one I guess both things. Uh, Cleopatra was like during Roman rule, yeah, right? Yeah, well, specifically like the while Julius Caesar was oh. doing his stuff, and then yeah, because they actually like, Octavian, hung out, yeah. right? She came to Rome, and uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I I could talk. Sam will tell you, I could talk to you about Romans for a long time. Oh, really? years, but, um, she there she was. Um, her and her brother were supposed to be ruling Egypt at the time. Egypt was a client state of uh, Rome. Um, the Roman Civil Wars happened, uh, and it became in um, Caesar's interest to put her as the sole ruler of uh, Egypt with oh. his backing, and then they started a relationship. Uh, yes, yeah, I got just that little snippet, kind of. <laughs> I, you know, I wouldn't be able to articulate it like you did, but I, I kind of knew a little bit of that. It was fuzzy. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's kind of wild, man. All that stuff, and um, and then the other thing was I heard one of the like. You know, like Lewis and Clark had a long list of things that um, they were to look for, like a list of to-dos. To- and one of them was like, see if there's mammoths out there. Because they weren't oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They, they didn't know what they'd run into. And it's not just see if they'd look. Um, Jefferson, so before Lewis went out, Jefferson had him um, go see all these uh, ex- just experts in different fields and do a quick uh, crash course in everything he could. And one of them, he had um, go to, to a researcher in the United States, and I can't think of his name, but he, he had a, um, some uh, mammoth uh, bones. And he oh. wanted Lewis to take a look at them and like, get a sense of what these look like so that if you run into them out there, you can do a good record and you can tell them. So oh. they, it's not just thinking, it's like, oh, yeah, we don't know. Maybe we'll run into a mammoth. But like, oh, well, you might run into mammoth bones or from something. So here's, here's a look so you can have an idea of what to, to write down. Whoa. Yeah. Well, and they, Lewis was the perfect guy for it because they, they given him all some information. like, hey, here's how you write something scientifically. Here's how you do scientifically name something. And he absorbed it all and did a fantastic job. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of pressure, feels like, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I said, he was the right guy for it. Yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't I think I could have uh, done it. Yeah, dude, I don't know. Like, it's a lot of walking. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of rowing. A lot of rowing, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, just the identification part to, like, retain yeah. that in your brain, mm-hmm. you know, well, and it's then, impressive. Yeah, yeah, and the things in the journals he talks about, you know, they saw a, a new snake, or, and they're like, oh, and they immediately um, you know, observed it, killed it, counted everything on it, skinned it to send it back. Oh, really? They sent back live animal specimens to Jefferson. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool, man. 
Yeah, I mean, just hearing like the, you know, I don't know if they're just like stories from folks that are living out here that kind of got passed down, but like the stories of like just giant beavers and stuff that they were encountering on their, on their trip and stuff. And I don't know if that's true or not, but. So. I know they encountered a ton, a ton, a ton of animals. Yeah. I mean, Buffalo are still roaming free. And you know, I think it was Steve Rennell was talking about back in the day. It was like Buffalo herds were so massive and the natives would talk about like two day herds and stuff. <laughs> it was like two days before they fully pass you. Yeah. Yeah. They, they mentioned stuff like that. on which, you know, do like a sea of Buffalo. That's so um, nuts. I couldn't even imagine it. Cause you, I've never yeah. seen it, you know? Well, were they, um, they took, there were areas they talk about where they saw like just several grizzly bears all around or like this island was full of, island in Missouri was like just full of them. Whoa. And I was, you know, I think about grizzlies. I, I've rarely seen two together, you know, yeah. maybe a mom and cubs now, but yeah, it's almost like, like, a Alaska where, you know, they, they all come for the salmon run, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, and they all mostly get along, you know, it's the yeah. same thing, you know, oh, I mean, yeah, I'd be wild to see that something like that in the lower 48 for sure. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so how'd you end up where, you're, where you are now? Just like following oh, the, yeah. the progression so, of the job? So, or? um, I, I, well, I've been very lucky. Is that, uh, the same guy I volunteered with, um, way back when I stood in my undergrad, when I came back out to Montana, he recognized me and he says, like, yeah, I've got this, um, you know, I applied, I had my name on the list, and he, he recognized me. He's like, yeah, I'd love to have you working back again. So I was oh, like, cool. um, when the offers came through, I, you know, I knew um, someone I, or I had someone I already knew, so I was able to accept it there and have great mentors in him. And then uh, his Mark Bodley in Great Falls and then Jen Ryan working on um, the Helena side of it. And fantastic mentors and really got me prepared. That's awesome. And man. then I've been doing seasonal work for a couple of years, which is pretty common. And I was looking at grad school, but, um, you know, I, like they say, apply to everything. And so I was applying on USA Jobs. Yeah. And I got a call in March, and they said, yeah, are you still interested in the Mountain Hood job? I was like, yeah, I am. I was like, okay, cool. You start dates to state, be there. And, oh, cool. And that was great. And so, yeah. I, yeah, run with it. But, that's so cool. I, I think that's a really good uh, oh, uh, little tip to folks, you know, like, apply for everything that you're interested in and it seems like the path always kind of like presents itself the one you're supposed to be on you know if i you're mean open yeah it's the the forest service forest service is very good about building you up and getting your experience yeah um you do gotta you know go on usa jobs and apply and apply you know the jobs you apply in november for for next may or, yeah. you know that sort of thing <laughs> yeah, totally. but go out and do it and apply for all of them and yeah you can you know you'll find it you've got they won't all have different um things that'll just lock you out education yeah. wise. Um, the, uh, there's for, to be an archeologist, there's like the secretary of air has specific standards and stuff on like who can do the work and that sort of thing. And who can be considered a monitor. Oh, gotcha. Um, so if you're meeting those and then you meet the experience and you want to, you know, you're ready to put in the time you can go a long ways. Yeah, um, for sure, man. And yeah. Um, my, my good friend Buck actually told me cause he like called me, he was, he was on the podcast here, Buck Lunick mm. and a great guy. And I'm gonna have him back on this fall. And he gave, he actually gave me some really cool, uh, Native American history that I'd never heard. Uh, cause he's a Blackfoot Indian and talking about some of uh, stories, you know, from his ancestry and he, and he's really educated, man. He's, he's read a lot of books and stays up on his history there. And, mm-hmm. but anyways, um, we were just talking and he's just got some really good insight and like, uh, just profound the way he talks, you know, he's a great storyteller. And, uh, but I was just talking, I was like, yeah, you know, and, and he asked about like podcasts. I'm like, yeah, just, you know, some opportunities coming and things are, things are, you know, really going well and, and, uh, just, you know, a bunch of other opportunities that present themselves. He's like, that's good, man. It means you're on the right path. And like kind of pause for a minute. I was like, yeah, I guess, yes, you're right. He's like, yeah, man. I mean, like it's going to take work. Like you were saying, you got to put in your time, but like, mm-hmm. it almost like it, it's almost like, uh, in a weird way, destiny almost meets you like halfway sometimes you're like. You know, you get an interest in something, mm-hmm. you kind of go down the path, kind of like you. I mean, you were, you were in fire, you were in the military, and then 
you had that interest in archaeology and you just kept kind of pulling that thread and then you led to where you are today well, you know? at, that's exactly it and i um <laughs> yeah i i was at like a uh, uh, my mom's a librarian at a school in Great Falls, and she asked, oh. they were like doing like a career day, come talk your career. And um, everyone talked a little bit of it, and a lot of them kind of said, like, they, you know, maybe it wasn't where they thought, but they're happy in their job now, and they ended up. Yeah. And I finished up, and when I was like, nah, this is what I wanted to do, and I went out and did it. And, I, <laughs> That's and awesome. anybody That's can, awesome. though. Anyone yeah. can do it. it. Yeah, it was a hard work, and I did, and it is getting lucky, but you get, you know, you build the luck when you keep trying, as you keep building the opportunities to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and working hard and, and showing up and, and uh, you know, giving a good product out, whatever it might be. Like, even like when you first were doing it, I mean, you're just doing the best you can of whatever, yeah. you know, task they give you. And, it, it obviously worked because that fellow he'd worked with before was like, yeah, man, let's do this again. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's and I I liked working for him. So obviously, it's, you know, it's it's even in this situation, I still have to apply and still have to make the list even for that to happen. But yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's a really good thing. And the other thing for archaeology is uh, nobody falls into it because it's physics. So everyone you're you you're working with is pretty passionate about it too. Yeah. And that's an infectious energy. And so I tell people to that too. Yeah, try to work somewhere where people want to be there and want to be doing it. Because it, it bleeds off you. If you. And the opposite, if you work somewhere that nobody wants to be there, you feel that too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think one of these podcasts I did recently, we were talking about that too, is like, you know, some people are kind of stuck somewhere you can't go, but like, man, if, you, if you're really not happy in what you're doing, where you're at, like go to where you're happy, you know, mm-hmm. like pursue it, you know, and, and go, go chase it, you know, otherwise it's, you're just going to, you know, live unfulfilled and probably at some point it'll sneak up on you and end up being like the little crotchety person that just... <laughs> didn't follow their dreams or, or go, you know, chase them. They enjoy, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we're all built to do different things, you know, like, but yeah, it's just weird. All life kind of presents itself. You're kind of being open and, and looking a little bit, you know, go a bit deep, but you're right. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, is, it is funny how life happens that way. Yeah. And I, I guess I've been more observant, especially this podcast, talking to folks and, and like interesting hearing people's stories, you know, you guys and like how you know where you are and we all come, you know, from a similar background with the, uh, you know, the, uh, foresters, you know, Mm-hmm. Am I pulling it? No, the connection's <laughs> just been kind of beat up over time, just like where the headphones go in, so I get a little feedback off oh. it, like right now. Yeah. I'm not sure why it does that. Maybe it gets a little overloaded, but yeah. So, yeah, super interesting to me, man. You know, all that stuff. Are you, so, in, when you're architecting the Forcers, um, because of the, like, the time frame and stuff, it's not like specifically Native Americans, it's like anybody settlers and yeah yeah i mean, I mean the i mean that. of course as an archaeologist right it's it's a lot of the same kind of uh techniques and methods could be taken to europe or africa and you could do archaeology there oh cool but for yeah the forest service archaeology you know my focus has to be the forest i'm on and the work i'm doing yeah um there's a number of uh, different laws and acts that like kind of define why my job exists and why the role is there on the forest yeah. between yeah liaison with the tribes or mean obligations to the past but, you know, we talk about preser- um, one of the, the things in the wording is preserving um, the history and preserving the future, of, uh, preserving um, the history of an era for future generations. And that's not the exact wording, but it's the it, it is important to, um, you know, how many of the signs do you see on the sides of the highways in in Montana and around? Yeah, yeah and that's, historic well, landmark. Yeah, ahead, markers you know? are to tell yeah. you about it. Um, so it, it is, is to make that available to the American public. You know, so yeah. much of the Forest Service is making the forest successful and available from trail crews to fire to uh, silver culture, everything. And so it's, it's yeah. getting to be a part of that. It's very fun and yeah. very rewarding. Yeah, 100%, Matt. I totally agree. And, um, I heard it recently someone say, 
It's important to know where you came from because then it helps you know where you're going or something. I butchered that for sure. <laughs> know where you came from helps to get you where you're going. I don't, something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, it's super important. Yeah, know where you came from and how you got there. Yeah. And um, and the decisions that other people made that got you there too. Yeah, yeah. And that, I think that kind of helps you avoid some pitfalls in your own life too. You know, if you yeah. if you pay attention to that thing, you know, like your parents or grandparents or anyone around you, you know, has come from something that has a little nugget of wisdom, you know, to follow, like <laughs> just the stuff you're talking about, just like your career path and. If you have the interest and more of a passion than an interest, it seems like with archaeology, you know, and, and the patience, you know, that goes along with a lot of stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's you know, I keep saying a lot today, but I, I think I'm really lucky that I get to do something I love for a job. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Luck and, and you know, just being smart and pursuing pursuing it, you know, and, and mm-hmm. um, that's a weird way to say, it's a weird thing to say, but having the guts to do it too. Oh, right? well, yeah, because it's, yeah, there are times where it's, you know, well, especially, and like uh, you guys hear, you start this force sort of seasonal to seasonal and it's, it's not great and it's moving around and it's, it's only so long. Yeah. yeah. You, it's, it, I, I was talking to somebody and they're like, what, is there a way to go into full time? Like right away. And it's, it's, it's very hard. It's very no, difficult. And yeah. it's, the way the the career is set up, so yeah, you ha- have to put in that time and have to be willing to, to um, yeah, do, pay your dues, do, pay your dues, play yeah. your dues, or yeah. play your blues, <laughs> play, play um, your blues, yeah, a little bit of that too. <laughs> pay in the your off-season. dues, yeah, but you know, really build up that experience and stuff and that time, so that yeah, you are ready when the the positions open up. Yeah, absolutely, and being ready all the time, I think is is a, is a big deal, and and then getting out of your comfort zone because. Even though you know seasonal and, and fire, you, you get comfort in it after a while. Even though mm-hmm. like it, you know, fire itself is is uh, kind of more sporadic and you know behaves how it's gonna. But the job itself is still pretty basic. You know, we do the it sim- was, similar things. And it was eye opening when I because um, I done fi- I done fire out here, and then um, I was an archaeologist. Uh, this is in twenty one fires um, on the Helena Lewis and Clark. And so they're like, "Right, are you ready to go out as a as an archaeologist?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, let's, I've done fire before." Yeah. And then they're like, "Cool, they're getting the same out there." And I talked to the the lead read, and she's like, "Yeah, you know," I was like, "Oh, I've d-, uh, she's like, you've done fire before." I was like, "Yeah, I have." I was like, "Oh, fantastic! All right, so this is Jeep. I want you to head over here, take a look at these three sites, take a look at this area, survey this, get some some stuff out there." I was like, "All right," and I went out as a mess. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I realized that day I was out there that um, you know when I was doing like type two crew fire. Not only was it a totally different thing than being a read, because of, co- of course it is, yeah. but also like the way they, they manage you, they're like, all right, walk here, get in the trucks here, sleep now, eat now, do this thing, <laughs> dig this line. Yeah. And here I was, now I was my own resource, and I get out there, on the, and I'm on the side of this hill, and the firefighters are, I get out, and I'm looking at some of the fires, I was like, oh, hey, yeah, we want to put this dozer line here, is there, is there any reason we can't? I was like, oh, let me, let me check, let me see, they're like, well, we got to do it pretty quick, so the fire's coming, like, all right, all right. And I, you know, I realized there was just so much more to learn, and so much then then what I thought I understood about fire was yeah. a whole different job on it. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Trying to stay ahead of the fire itself and the fire crews, you know, there's a lot and, there. But I mean, you know, the thing is now, you know, years later, I've done a lot more, and I had a had a great fire. This um, great fire. I had a fire is on in Oregon um, about a month and a half ago that I got to shadow some very talented reeds and learn a ton, ton about them. And now, you know, have that confidence to go out and have that confidence to, to talk to people out there when I see them about it. Or, um, yeah. And do the education part while I'm out. Every uh, every time I went by, um, I saw I, uh, the crews, you know, I'd ask them if they'd seen anything. And I'd tell them, like, hey, if you do find anything, leave it there, but let me know. And sure enough, um, by the end of the incident, someone's was like, hey, I found, um, and he showed me a picture, and it was a, it was a lithic flake oh, and he's able to show me where it was that's cool man yeah and it was it was fantastic to, yeah. to have that that um and they they'd learned something and gotten something out of it and that's they knew cool. while i was out there and it's because it's 
you don't want to be the reader. It's like, oh, no, you can't do this, and I can't tell you why. Yeah, kind of yeah I ran a little bit my first few years. but that's And that's also good, like kind of preloading you know, stuff so that they don't act like me and Sam and just grab it and be like, hey, look at this and bring it <laughs> yeah, to you. Yeah, exactly. You know, like giving it some <laughs> education out. And then another important thing I think you said there, too, is like being really spongy and never getting like rigid in your ways, like being like, you know, you just went on this and got learned from some other really good reads. I've been maybe doing it longer and pick up tips because, oh, man, you can always learn something, dude. No matter how oh, long yeah, I was on fire, yeah. I'd, you know, I'd be picking stuff up from other people. You know, I jumped up the Bob Marshall with this guy and he had a notepad out constantly. And finally, I was like, what are you doing with the notepad? It's like, and he, what he's doing, he's constantly improving his kit. He's like, especially because he came from Alaska. So he comes down to the lower 48. So he, he was happy with it, but he's been doing like his whole career to try to like, make his pack the best it could be, the most functional it could be. And so he's always taking notes on stuff. I was like, man, that's a really good idea, you know? Mm-hmm. And I've been, you know, I've been in for a long time at this point, man. You know, I've been fighting fire for a really long time. I had not really messed with my gear at all. Yeah. <laughs> Never really adjusted. I wear this when I jump out of the plane. It's all I need to know. Yeah, exactly. I got a puffy, I got a rain jacket, and I got a beanie, you know? And then I got some snacks, and then I got a bunch yeah. of snacks. You know, like he's a choice. Yeah, exactly. So Give I, me to that box of steak, steak they're going to drop. Yeah, off. exactly. Yeah, as long as the food's coming, man, I'm, yeah, I'm good. But, um, and then another thing I want to ask you about, like, uh, wait, did we skip anything there? I just kind of, no, 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 no. It was been pretty organic. I guess I, I've been saying Reed and Reef is, um, oh, yeah, I should say it's resource advisor or resource advisor fireline. And so if they, um, that's like, uh, just, just people know that's if you're on a fire and there's, um, any resources that could be affected and they don't just, um, not just archeological, but, uh, hydrology, um, soils, anything like that. So even though it wasn't like archie thing, uh, an archeological concern on it, on this last fire I was on, they had me check in, um, to look and decide if places needed water bars on lines that were on hill, oh, that sort of thing. So yeah, for erosion, um, all that good stuff. Yep, right? Exactly. Yeah. You want to stop by Darby on your way out and talk to him about the road coming up to the lookout? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I meant to say on the way up, man, I was like, geez, it wasn't like this last time. It's a little rough. Yeah. It's yeah. a little rougher. Even you know, since you've been. Yeah. Although I did, I did see someone's got the water bar in right at the beginning. So they're looking out. Yeah. Just, just the one. Just <laughs> the one, you know. <laughs> That's got huge ruts on either side. <laughs> yeah. Just let you know they thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate you. Yeah, exactly. Feel the love. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, we've had quite a bit of precip since you were up last. And, uh, I mean, we've been getting hammered the past week and a half. Yeah, it's nuts. Rain, lightning. I mean, I don't know if you were listening to the morning reports. People getting like 0.7 of an inch of rain overnight and stuff like that. Yeah, I'd pop in and talk to Matt Young, you know, usually after weather comes through, like, hey, what's what's happening? And he'd give the reports on the precip and and, uh, if there's any starts reports and stuff, just for my own curiosity, really. Yeah. Yeah. What were you going to say, James, then? Oh, I was about to say, like, you had a question. Sorry, I stopped you to say what reads are. Oh, no, no, I'm really glad you did. But uh, like I said, like, I mean, this is, you know, this is my style of podcasting, like my kind of podcast. Like, I, I like, even when I'm listening, I like, you know, things that aren't rigid, you know, because it feels more like an organic conversation, like you were saying, and, and things go where they're going to go. And mm-hmm. like, I mean, there's been so many podcasts, podcasts, especially recently where I got like a few things in the back burner. I'm like, yeah, man, I really want to know about that. So, you know, bring that up. And then after the podcast, over, I'll be driving home. like, man, I didn't even get to that part. (laughs) (laughs) Like I had a podcast last night and uh, my friend Doug, who's on, he's uh, really into birds. So like we kind of ornithology. Is that the right? I think so. Right. I don't want to say it too loud, but yeah, I mean, I should just shout it out. But, um, and we kind of started just talking about a little bit and like this Merlin app. And then we never really went back to it. And I thought we were just going to like, the plan was to like talk about birds. I was going to even like play a few sounds and quiz him and see how, you know, good he is on it. And then we just got, you know, another chance about camping and exploring and outdoors and, you know, all the things that like I really enjoy. And I think that brings us all together, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the outdoors there. But, but the question I have for you to loop this back around before all I get right. lost, um, is if you could go like explore and, and go like any arc site or, or dig anywhere, is there like a, is there like a, 
bucket list? You know, like, would you like to go to Egypt oh, or oh, um, Gobekli Tepe? That? that would be very cool. I said that um, wrong, I think, though. Gobekli Tepe? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to try it again. <laughs> there, there's an organization that has um, vets out to help excavate Waterloo. Oh, and I would what? love to go be a part of that. Yeah, just go out and volunteer with that. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know how reasonable that is to get on to part of. I looked into it a little bit, yeah. but not enough. So that would be that would be very very exciting. Talk to me about Waterloo. I don't know much. Oh, the Battle of Waterloo. What battle? Uh, Napoleon's defeat at the ah. the Duke of Wellington. Um, oh, by the, the hands of the Duke. Yeah, yeah, ah. yeah. Um, <laughs> at the the uh, but it's in um, belt. I don't say the wrong. It's in it's in northern Europe. Oh. Um, I believe it's in Belgium, but it was yeah, it was after Napoleon had um had been exiled and then come back and we raised an army and then went out and so it was the the coalition of um uh, mostly English but also was, uh, Prussians and then I believe some Dutch uh, oh. uh, defeated them there and that was kind of that was like the that's the big battle. Of oh, so. what why is that the one though? What what makes that one stand out to you? Well, because it's just it's a fascinating, it's a huge battle, um, and it's, I didn't know people were still excavating there until I found out I found out about this quite recently. I, but I'm I like the idea. About, about it. I like the idea of getting out there and doing an excavation with other vets. I think that'd be just a ton of fun. That, that'd be so we'd cool. We'd have a lot man. of things, and then also it's um, it's exciting when I can find anything that's that I can. I have a, the, a modern connection in a weird way with. Um, if I can find, yeah. um, anytime I'm looking at or you know reading about like weapons, and I you know I have a I have a sense, or it's not necessarily like the weapon or armor, but maybe when they find stuff like oh yeah, this is how they carry this stuff on their packs, oh. and I you know I can think of how like how I had a rucksack and how things were carried for us, yeah. or um, oh, I just lost the other one I was thinking of, but they getting a, a sense of how you know other people were soldiers, you know, thousands of years ago. Yeah, you can relate. Back then, and yeah, how it relates to me is is f- humbling and fascinating. Yeah. And so that'd be, be a really cool thing to be a part of. So, like, uh, in Napoleon, let's see if I got my history right here. So, like, two people tried to march in and take over Russia, and Napoleon was one of them, right? It was, like, Germans and Napoleon? Was oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's where the first thing, story, yeah. But yeah that's the first that. kind of, um, of, like, invading Russian winter or trying to win a land war with Russia. Yeah, man. Because, um, yeah, it didn't work for Napoleon, and it didn't work for Hitler. Yeah, crazy, right? Because, yeah, I remember, like, wasn't Napoleon had a bunch of elephants and stuff, and then he got snowed in and a bunch of elephants died. I don't know I if he had elephants. I know he got all the way to Moscow. Oh, really? And the Russians were like, well, we'll just burn everything on the way so you won't have anything. Awesome. Um, they say when they were marching back, though, in the cold, um, one of the guys uh, who was in the army, he quoted in his journal, it was so cold the birds fell out of the sky. <laughs> now, that's unlikely true, but it's yeah. super, super cold. And, <laughs> you know, most of the guys who died on the campaign died from exposure out in yeah. the cold there. So Yeah, jeez, man. Mm-hmm. That was in the Napoleon one? Yeah. yeah the Germans kind of experienced the same and thing. And the Germans, you, know, you know, well documented World War II. Didn't um, they got uh, ground to a halt? And then you had uh, things like Stalingrad, these curse, these big defeats that eventually they the Russians were able to bring the full weight of uh, manpower and industry against them. Yeah. And there's there's more to it than that. But yeah, that's why they say don't don't invade uh, Russia in the winter yeah. or a land war at all. Yeah, <laughs> a land war at all. You have such a big place, man. Yeah, we and very modern. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 we're kind of going, yeah, yeah. We're going. We're kind of dancing around a little bit because, like, and one thing that my brother just read a, a book about the Nez Perce and um, my ancestry is Nez Perce, part of it, you know. And um, one of the things that he was reading about is like when the Nez Perce were on the move. Um, a few things that kind of aggravated um, the government and the cavalry that were following was they'd take over, you know, like an area like a, a ranch or a farm, and then they typically burn it down and retreat because kind of the same thing Russians were doing. So they wouldn't have any supplies or place, you know, to stay. And 
but that also like angered the cavalry a little more. It sounded like so much of the history oh, yeah. of warfare. Oh, yeah, is um is armies trying to live off the land, and so if you can take that away from them. Um, Julius Caesar was uh was when he's going through what would become France. You know, he's living off the land from art, and so it was when people got there got organized. Like, All right, we'll just start burning everything, so you won't be able to do that Man. to put him in a bad spot. It's wild how like it, you know everybody kind of knew that like it just like maybe just basics of warfare from forever. You know, it's just wild to, to see that. You know, it's, it's funny how some things don't change, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you know, Nez Perce probably wouldn't have. I, mean, I wouldn't think would have any idea about that, but they just like figured out like yeah, they they realized like all right, yeah. well yeah, if we take away the way for them to to food and water their horses and they're going to be in a bad way. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, slow them down for sure. And Yeah, pretty wild, man. Like you said, basics, I guess, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Do you have a number two set or is, or like is uh, Waterloo the, the, the shining? Um, and then I, uh, so for you know, kind of archaeology education-wise and career is you generally don't focus until you get to like um, grad school level. Oh, gotcha. And I, I've just been where I've been working. I haven't um, had to go to grad school. I've given a lot of thought. Um, and so something I would be interested in doing is Romans and it's cause there's yeah. a big interest in the history, big interest in the, the way they did things. And so much of what they, they created is still around yeah. you know, roads, yeah. monuments, aqueducts, theaters. Aqueducts, yeah. Um, so it would be fat. I would be love, love, love to be involved in any kind of Roman uh, excavation. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so much of what they've, you know, like I said, it's still out there and still to be found. So just to be a part of that would be very cool. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that, that history really fascinates me as well. You know, like I, I keep trying to tease if you're going to like throw Egypt out there because that <laughs> seems like the, the one, you know, that, that's a big about. one. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, um, but that's just, this how it shook out for it. Um, yeah. and I guess kind of the reality is though, it's, I, I do though try to give a, a big focus to where I'm working in my job. And yeah. sample I saw earlier, I was reading the archeology span of Oregon because I'm, <laughs> yeah. I've only been there a few months. So I'm still trying to get caught up to speed on oh. different archeological concerns there and making sure I, you know, I'm doing the best job I can for it. Cause that would be, man, I didn't even think about that. that. That would be a pretty tall order too. If you haven't grew up somewhere, cause I'm used to like, you know, finding oh, out sure, stuff that yeah. I'm living, but like going somewhere new and being like trying to catch up, you know, to the history that was there. Yeah. That takes that take some time. I, the first, we had the first call in March with my, my boss out there. And I was like, yeah, what, um, do you have anything I can read to start getting ready? And he sent me a 150 page PDF. So <laughs> I, I got into it. Some light yeah, reading. Here we yeah, go. Some light reading to yeah. get you started. <laughs> Jeez, man. Yeah. That's incredible. And I don't really know, you know, much about that area either. You know, like it just kind of my world, you know, it started off like world history, of course, with all of us yeah. kids, you know, so some interest in like Roman and Egyptian and then, um, you know, Indian because of his purse and all that, a little bit, you know, um, uh, curiosity there. But that's still like kind of smaller. Like my, I guess when I go on fire, and that's like a really cool thing about fires, like getting you know, to travel places. Like I was in um, around Sedona area, and like when you're talking about some, you know, sites around there, like um, petroglyphs and pictographs, right? Mm-hmm. Pictograph, painting, petroglyph, uh, like carved. Petro is yes, carved in, picto yeah. is painting. Yeah. painting or painted on um a lot of times red ochre or something but other materials too oh red o- oh yeah man that stuff really lasts it's it's wild because you know someone's in like an exposed spot and it's still there pretty pretty wild well i mean it? and maybe that's the thing maybe it's mostly stuff that's not getting the right exposure that's saved oh. maybe there was a lot more oh true man yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's trying to consider story. everything yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah, that was uh i actually talked about this in the last podcast a little bit too but that that was interesting to me because I, I think his name is jason nez archaeologist uh from the Grand Canyon. I gotta look him up because I, I I talked to him about being on the podcast a long time ago, and he was just so fascinating, man. Because he's like, uh, you know, for me, I was kind of thinking history is like, you know, people who kind of take it over the people who like 
were their descendants, right? Like, mm. um, like for me, like if it was like some kind of Nez Perce history, I really relate because it's, it's my descendants. But for him, he was like, it's everybody though, man. Like we all came from the same thing. So like, I don't want to, and you kind of mentioned in the beginning, he's like, I don't want to just hide this stuff. I want people to enjoy it. I don't, you don't want to protect it, but I also want people to, to see it and get the whole story. Cause it's all of our history. It's not just mine. Cause he's, I think he was part Hopi and I can't remember what else. Um, is it Navajo over in the area a little bit? Northern Arizona? Utah area, I guess. I believe so. Mm. I'm, t- I'm not as familiar with the, I know, the man. Southwest. And, and, yeah, um, I feel bad. I'll t- I got to have him on. He's a great guy. And I will say I've looked at, at maps of um, that are made in uh, in conjunction with different Native American tribes, and there's a lot of overlap. Well, yeah. There's a lot. You know, there's differences based on times because, of course, they were here quite a while. Well, that's what and he was saying in that, like, area there with all the, um, um, like, plateaus. What am I thinking of? Like... Little, like, uh, flat hills. Little uh, buttes. Buttes, yeah, like, little, like, buttes around there. And, you know, people were living on them, and they're, like, trading posts all over. So, like, all these uh, tribes are, like, intermingling a lot in, in kind of a peaceful little valley there. And so there's a bunch of different tribal his- histories throughout that whole area. And I thought that was really cool. And, you know, man, I wouldn't have known it if I didn't go there on fire, yeah. run, run into him. And it was super cool, too, because he was in a site that wasn't – because there's, was like, a whole – kind of like park area i think where there's like the commons parts parts you can go to like as a tourist and, and it was cool because you can get like right up on the um those are pictographs in that area mm-hmm. and uh get the tour and get the history of it and then he was in another spot that like hadn't really like some there's a like an old ranch homestead area there so like that person probably knew but didn't spread it mm-hmm. so like he come you know he came up and was like hey you guys want to see something cool I'm like yeah for sure it's <laughs> like follow me and uh so we went and followed him and then he, you know he talked about like as far as he knew what he could make out of the pictographs and tell the story a little bit of what he could tell, you know, and like, and they were saying like some more common things were like quail, you know, is it like a lot of these quail pictographs and, um, is it, at least it looked like a quail. And then, uh, there was a, a hunting scene that was depicted there and it, it which was super cool cause it showed like camouflaged native American folks. And then like some kind of prey animal was horns mm-hmm. and the, the whole native American group had, well, not the whole, well, I guess like pretty much the whole thing. Like there were some archers that were probably, you know, like some of their best archers. And there's like just the people who were like helping herd the prey animal into this box canyon where we were. And then, you know, someone writing that, you know, and then someone else sharing that story of what they were doing. And mm-hmm. it was cool to see because you could see clear as day, like some bows and then, you know, the animals and then people with like feathers and stuff on their bodies and like look like they're hurting the animals to the archers. It was really cool. And, and what did he think was the, um, wasn't an interpretation of why that had been recorded there like that? Uh, I think it was just because, like, it was, like, a common hunting area and maybe just, like, a tactic. I think he's what he's kind of saying, like, almost like a historic thing to, like, relay to folks. Um, and I don't how, know, though. Exactly. How similar to that is um, when maybe you're explaining to, like, a new firefighter, like, all right, you know, here's the incident. Here's where we, here's, like, we make an anchor point and go in, you know. Yeah. It's, it might have been the same kind of thing. People showing, it's like, all right, we're going to go out hunting today, and it's your first time, so we'll show you this. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, trying to interpret those sites. Or maybe it was something completely different. Yeah, trying, to, a, trying to really get a sense of it, but it's... Like the rock it, was like their whiteboard, and they're like, hey, here, <laughs> here's what been. we do yeah. here. You know, like, the, like, a, like a play for football, you yeah. know? Like, yeah. But it's, it's you know, because we, yeah, everyone's humans. Um, why, I like to say, you know, if you find a good spot for lunch, uh, it's probably a good spot for lunch a thousand years ago, and there might be oh. something there, because um, we get multi-component sites, or you know, it'd be historic and pre-contact in the same area, and so that's very common, because, yeah, it's, maybe there's... Um, uh, it was a good area for a lookout or it was a good area um, for a fishing spot and yeah. then times moved on and then you know Pioneer comes out and he's like oh that was great fishing I'm going to set my cabin here and yeah the it's um, well there's areas like I was on a fire and I I was, I was walking along so oh, it was about time for lunch it was a good good place to look out yeah. and, I, and I'm and i going and I'm looking out and then I like kind of look down around and I was like oh my goodness I'm on, I'm on a site <laughs> and I'd found a new site there and it was just I, 
my inference was that yeah, somebody back then thought there's like this is a great place to work. This is a great place to um, to work on this project I'm on because I have this view here. So that's why they stopped to work there. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah, that's yeah, that feedback. I'm so yeah. sorry, no, killing you. No, it's not you. It's uh, I think it's just a cheap headphone hmm? connection. I think it's just a cheap headphone connection because it's like the other ones are like gold on gold and this one's like some other metal, I think. Mm -hmm. So that's the only thing I think of. But, but yeah, that, that that totally makes sense. I mean, I never really put my brain around that. Like, you mm -hmm. know. And then sometimes stuff, though, you know, isn't necessarily always the function. It may have been that they liked it. You know, we, we talk about like culture and stuff. It's the um, uh, someone someone might uh, wonder the, the function of, of my hat having, having this thing there, you know. Yeah. But it's it's because I like the team and because it's just a cultural thing. There's yeah. no there's no it doesn't denote my rank or something, you know. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of that you know I thought about that before, just like not that you know like um like whatever like you said the, the ranking or just like a piece of clothing like maybe just like because you like it you know yeah, like exactly I'm just trying to think like and functionality it's, it's, and stuff out of it yeah so and that's an extra dimension to it you know try yeah. to and you try to tease it out but yeah. it's it's what makes it fun and what makes it exciting and what lets uh, you know archaeologists have these debates and come to these different conclusions and be able to, to I don't know just trying to learn more about the past yeah so. yeah oh, it's, so, it's so important man like we talked about like knowing where you come from and and learning I mean like especially like, I, like nowadays um, there's so much it's wild I think there's like new stuff being discovered about the past because like, you think like it would just we just know it you know like you were talking mm -hmm. before but even like Cold War and, and recent events I mean know? I had no idea before I started working for the Forest Service how much is out there like how much is really left out there um, still and how far it goes back you know there's the I like to say it's the the biggest um, question or debate or mystery in American archaeology or um, is when did people come to North and South America first or, or when what way or how they did it or what how many times people different groups came yeah. and so it's it's exciting and humbling to be a part of that discussion and that um, that journey to look for it and to to go to places or see things that like they like wow this is ten thousand years old or this is older than that yeah you know. And the debate, you know, even within my lifetime, the, the, just about the, the, um, dates have moved further and further back that we've found sites. We found proof or evidence or radiocarbon dates or yeah. something to suggest, you know, it's like, all right, it's gone back this further, or this further, or, you know. Yeah. And, and I, you know, like the, just a little research I've done and, and, you know, probably some like podcasts of Joe Rogan's that were like talking, bringing a historian on and the stuff that they're talking about, like the mounds in, in the U S and all of the, you know, different parts of the world. And then. Um, New York sites like uh, in California or somewhere they're like well maybe this wasn't a land bridge kind of deal here you know like they you know, start talking about different times you probably know more than well I there's think, it's a it's a highly contested debate and there's um there's a lot to say there's the land bridge stuff is um it's not it gets called like debunked and it's not that it's debunked it's just that it's no longer thought to have been the, the first people coming in here so I guess we went for um, a long time it was considered that like maybe people had only been here 2,000 years ago and then only four and then um, they found what were um, the Clovis tools. They found them all over, and it was the oldest stuff we'd found. And they're like, all right, well, it was that it was, uh, Clovis people named for just that um, it was where these tools were first found. Oh. And it's naming this, the style of the tools. We don't know what they call themselves, you know. Yeah. Um, but we found that there was always like, okay, so, so it was these Clovis guys who got here first. And then Evan started to pile up that was older, and there was different kinds of um, tools. And, and so then now we've had to rethink that. And there's um, there's different ideas about when people might have come across land bridge even is is kind of misleading because um, it's the the sea levels were lower so it wasn't like a strip of land like a bridge and it didn't just open up for a little bit we're talking a a massive area as wide as Alaska that was open for a long 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 time for hundreds mm -hmm. of years 
And so it wasn't people coming across, it was just people expanding out. And they've, um, unfortunately it's underwater now, so it's underwater archaeology, but they found evidence of sites, of like habitation sites that were in this area. So people were stopping there and kept moving on. Um, but then, you know, there's problems with the ice might have blocked them. There's That's a, what I heard too, like a big wall of ice between mm-hmm. like us there's, and them. There's a thought that there were ice-free quarters at certain spots that would have gotten people down further. Yeah. There's thought that um, uh, it's that people who maybe they didn't have boats figured out to completely cross the Pacific, but they could have go along the coast. Well, you could go along the coast along this and get down into oh. um, North and South America. Yeah, because that giant then, land bridge thing, you know, yeah, outside of Alaska, you, you definitely just coast. You just follow the coast, yeah. right? Um, and then onto that is because you're in a boat, maybe you can avoid some of the areas of the glacier and find pockets of um, land you can go. Yeah. Um, there's theories that uh, because um, some, uh, some stone tools found in North America look very similar to some stone tools found in Europe, um, in like the Iberian Peninsula, Spain, uh, um, parts of France, there's um, some thought that is like, well, maybe there was, was it frozen enough that people were able to come across or island hop across icebergs to get here? Oh, um, that's not nearly as well supported, yeah. but it's, that's, that's kind of where things are, that there's theories like that about it. And there's, um, there's some very meaningful work that suggests like um, people have done tests now with currents and rafts and they've noticed like, well, you, you know, stuff does um, the way that the currents work in the South Pacific. So you could theoretically come theoretically come around and end up in uh, Chile or South America that way. Oh wow! Um, and especially if there had yeah. been if there had been um, the water levels are lower and there's more islands out there. But even that's you know also a bit more like tenuous. So yeah. it's we don't know, and it I don't know if it'll be one site we find or something we find or anything. We may we may never know for sure. But to to be part of the thing that's finding out a little bit more in some ways really exciting yeah it's really exciting man because like i mean that also goes to another thought of mine is um you know like the lost city of atlantis you know and then there's like Bidmi road and all these little things that suggest like there's more out there that is underwater that we don't know about you know well, and it's atlantis interesting one because um for a long time it was thought that uh, the city of troy was just a story and it hadn't been found it wasn't known and then um you had a uh, essentially an archaeologist who was like, well, I'm going to... Sorry. Yeah, yeah that's essentially an archaeologist who was... Um, he's like, okay, well, I'm going to look at the, his, the yeah, story of it. Do you want me to move that up so you get more comfortable? I think I've moved it back, actually. How about now? Yeah, sorry. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no. So, you got a beautiful voice. Uh, I want people to hear it. The, the sto- <laughs> you know, the story is he, he's like, all right, well, I'm going to look at the story and see if I can... And look at a map and see if I can work out where Troy was. And I'll be darned if he didn't find it. That's how it happened. So, I, really, yeah, I heard yeah. that, but I know... So... Uh, like I said, there was a time where archaeologists were like, oh, that's just a story. It's not really there. And then now we found it. And so I, I can't, in, in, I would say, as, like, as a professional archaeologist, I don't want to go discount anything because it's based on a story. Mm. Certainly, um, you know, oral tradition in North America, South America, Native Americans has been very important. Like, we have every, we, they have, you know, stories that they go back that line up with when we know geological events happened. Like, there, there's every reason to believe they're legitimate. So yeah. I don't... I even, like, hand on heart, I don't think Atlantis is very likely to exist. But I'm not going to stand here and say, like, no, there's no chance. We found everything. Well, you know, because we haven't found everything. No. And we try to find some more, and we have, have more takes. Um, talking about the, the age of things in the, um, people in the United States or in North America, um, there was, I was listening to a talk by a woman who'd gone around and talked to uh, tons and tons of people on, uh, to get, like, oral tradition source. And she'd worked out that it was 200,000 years ago that people were in North America. Which would be incredible. That would change everything. And 
I don't necessarily think it's uh, likely for a couple other things, but I'm not going to go and just dismiss it. Hit me with that number again, 200,000? 200,000. Oh, wow. And she was basing this off of oral tradition. I would have to see a lot more than just her talk I saw on it because I thought she made some good points, but I thought there was more to it, you know, and there's some other things that that factor into that. But it's, I'm not going to say, you know, I think I'm doing a disservice professionally if I just discount it because Mm. the history of doing archaeology has a lot of that and it's held us back. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and that's what um, you know. You see, like especially now, more, more modern days, like Randall Carlson and um, Graham Hancock. You know, talk about a lot where they had some theories, and you know, they're just like instantly shut down because they're like, no, that's just not. You know, we're we're sure it was this or whatever. You know, and and now it's like, well, maybe not. You know, and and then you find something that proves that you know it, it was different than what we. You know, and I think part of it perceived. comes from the place I said, you know, you don't fall into archaeology. You get only people who are passionate into about it, and that passion comes out in certain ways. And so it was certainly a big deal with the um, Ancient Apocalypse was the show. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. it was. Yeah, Ancient I remember hearing a big yeah. to do around it, and it's um, and there are certain archaeologists who are a lot more experienced than me who have their own opinions on it up, yeah. um, and I have my own, and I'm not going to get into it here. No, yeah, but yeah. I, that's that's the nature of you know the people who work very hard and very knowledgeable and very passionate about what they do is you get that kind that kind of passion comes out in that way. Yeah, totally. And I, like I think you're really onto something there because it's like why until you have like concrete knowledge either way right like why not like i mean it may be a little far out there i'm like i don't know but well and so much like if if i write a a site up a new site i'll uh write it up write up what i saw um try to set it whoever goes there later up for success and i'll i'll have an analysis and interpretation but that's yeah that's it's just as i found out with these other ones that these other archaeologists did which i believe they did their best work there's that doesn't mean that that's the the final interpretation it's the final say unless for some reason, I had something that I had a plaque that said, like, I built this house for this reason. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so that's that's where that is. And Fingerprint I, stamped in blood. Or something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and so that's, that's you know, gotten, it, gotten quite a bit. But that's that's my take on that sort of thing. Cause, yeah. Because um, there's always more to be found out. And we will never have excavated everything. No, well, yeah, we'll never have the full, clear, you know, vision of everything. And, and some stuff that maybe point towards it probably had been found, you know, like in earlier times where people didn't like the first uh you know people coming across the prairies or whatever and then who knows what they Pe- found and people, like yeah um, got disturbed there was a, there's you know evidence of uh ancient people's finding um dinosaur bones and I'm like dragon's bones <laughs> and they, but you know cause they didn't know better and they yeah. of course they're pulling them out and i was like oh i'm put this in my house awesome. <laughs> you know <laughs> so these these things happened um and i i fully expect that someday you know in 100 years it might be archaeologists who they've got some other different methods that we haven't worked out and things, and they, yeah. they might be shocked I didn't record a certain thing yeah. on my site forms because that's and that's the exciting James part again. Of this. <laughs> Gosh dang it, this guy again. <laughs> yeah. Organ just these all over this place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at least at least they'll be remembered. You know, your name will be there. Well, that's true. Yeah, so you got that. <laughs> hey, I got that going. For yeah, me. But I think people will probably be more understand. I feel like as a as a human race, I think we kind of get more understanding and hopefully more humble as we get a little older and more knowledge. I mean, that's not hundred percent, but. Just like most people I've, I'm, I'm around, it's a little more forgiving. Like, well, that's what we all thought, and now we found out something different. You know? Well, and that's, yeah, that's that's exactly right. The, I, I, I think there were some, some, maybe some cases where people were being a little obtuse, but yeah. there, there was a time, yeah, pe- very reasonable people doing the best methods they had at the time thought things that we just know aren't true anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, they threw it in the archaeological field, and that's, I think, that's just what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, like... Uh, the best, best you can do with the information you have given. Hold on, boys. I'm going to switch oh, yeah, the headphones yeah. real quick. 
could have been us, but we'll find out. That lovely feedback sound. Yeah, it just hums, hums you to sleep. It's just <laughs> enough to bug me. Can you hear anything anymore? I can't. Oh, no. Hello? Hello? Nothing. I, I got you. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Still hearing me? Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe it's just mine? No. I'm still hearing it too, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, the fine. tiny little feedback sound? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. It's it's really light though. It's not it's not the same one. Yeah. Just, per- just oh perfect. Yep. Yeah, I think I just had me all the mics up a little too loud and ah. getting weird feedback. That could have been it. I think so. Yeah, I'm still hearing hearing you guys. Man, I feel bad because you're on a you know good run there, and I. You know, well, I was, that was about the end of it. I. <laughs> yeah, it was all, yeah, it was great though, man. Like I. Um, cause I think, you know, being a curious person and just, you know, having this podcast, talk to cool folks like you guys and, uh, yeah, I'm like, man, and like, what your brain thinks too is like, um, uh, being open-minded and that's what, you know, I'm trying to do too. So it's like, oh, that's cool, man. Cause you're not just like to hear, to hear was dinosaurs to hear, to hear was this. And then, you know, like land bridge, I mean, cause like the land bridge thing, like someone maybe had mentioned it before, but like just now you saying it like. It was huge, the size of Alaska. I was like, "Whoa!" Because I was, I was like, "Yeah, like I said, bridge undersells it, and, it's, it and you don't you don't think of it that way, and you don't think um, again, it 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 comes more off like a Moses story, part of the sea, than it does <laughs> yeah. like no, this was here for a while, and people people weren't rushing across. Yeah, it, it does have a way to sound extravagant mm-hmm. uh, when it's taken out of context. Maybe yeah, it's just well, a land bridge. Well, you just hear it, right? Oh, okay. All right. Well, you and, think of a twenty-four foot wide, you know. Path I mean, of dirt. and that, yeah, that that's exactly what I was saying, like a dam, like walking across yeah, the top yeah. of a dam, like you know. All right, yeah, fair. Yeah, you're like, yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh it's exciting, and it's truly. Oh, make sure I'm not pushing on it. No, I feel like I'm hitting the QB. Oh, the yeah, I think it's just the, the mic volumes are just getting us. It's gonna haunt Luke's nightmares. Oh, dude, like <laughs> this this has been a problem I thought I had fixed, but it will it will haunt me. But yeah, I think it just can't go up a certain volume on this sucker. Mm. Uh, but well, hopefully that's not too apparent. Cause I mean, I it, mm, with a grain of salt, cause my ears aren't the best anymore. But uh, I can't really hear very much feedback. It's very minor, if any. Yeah, I think yeah, it might I be a touch of it. it. Yeah, like my God, just uh, getting everything in harmony. Is what I'm gonna say. <laughs> Sorry, apologies <laughs> to the listeners, but <laughs> still a work in progress. I guess this is uh, gonna be episode number thirty. Five, I think. All so, right. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, tickling 50. I mean, dude, I couldn't even picture like 10 when I first started. And then like <laughs> when I hit 20 and yeah, it's just amazing. But enough about me. I want to know more about your your, your brain archaeology. Like, um, so you're an organ for a position. Is there, are you stick with the Forest Service? What's, what's kind of the future looking like from what you can tell, from where you sit? I know you, well, it's hard I was, to say. I guess I was kind of kind of talking earlier about. Um, oh, like, t- turn you yeah, the scope. I was going to say, am I? I don't hear myself. Is that good? I don't hear my, hmm? no. a little bit better. Sam, do you hear me? Do you hear me? Not anymore. Oh, oh, oh hey. There you hey. are. Welcome there back. Uh, uh, kind of what I was talking about, there are different um, fields, you know, and I the I would like to have, yeah, a full long career in, with, in um, archaeology, and I would like to go to grad school at some point, and I would like to write a couple books, and I'd like to be at a very nice museum to finish up my days. Oh, man. Um, but Sounds right amazing. now, I'm on the Forest Service career path, and they've they've done right by me. And I love, like I said, I love the work, love the people I work with. And um, coming from the Army, it's an easy transition, and there are options to help me with retirement. So I'll probably be sticking around. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. And a few options in the Forest Service. But yeah, it's, it's cool because, like, 
the field in general, like just the things you listed off, like writing a book on just like stuff that you found and, and whatever you, I mean, you can go on like even probably technique, right. And, and different things you could write about, about uh, your experiences and you know, I don't know how much stuff you can find. Can you go into in a book? I mean, it's, uh, there's general stuff. Like I was saying, I was reading like a book and it's just the archeology span of Oregon. Mm-hmm. But um, the di- the field school I was on up in Canada, well, that professor has written a book on um, all her research she's done, the, that excavation, everything around it. So it's, it's, you know, you can write very specific stuff. And then there's yeah. papers that are very specific, your, your kind of Joe store stuff that exists. Um, so there's a, whole, there's a whole range of stuff between layman stuff and then very technical stuff. Oh, yeah. What are, what are you leaning for? I don't want to give away your secrets. No, but. I don't. I'm so early in my career. Yeah, I, don't, I have no idea what I'll do. But so I, I just, it's long-term goals looking at. So what, you like for me and the listeners, what, what do we got, like 10 years before the, the first novel comes I'd out? Say, I'd say at least 10. <laughs> at least 10? <laughs> All right. Just everybody stay tuned. Will you guys be watching for it then? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 2030. Three. Is it? That's twenty three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For ten years. That's weird to even say it, man. I'd say yeah. it slow, so like make sure I was messing up. <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be really cool, man. Like the museum thing too, you know. Especially like at that point in your career, you probably got a pretty wide knowledge of like stuff that's happened throughout your career, before your career, mm-hmm. and and even ongoing, and you know, and just be able to curate because that would be kind of the position. What? Right? And then I I talked. Yeah, there's there's curation's a part of it, and that's a yeah. whole different sort of thing. And I've done been lucky to do a little bit of it, but I I've talked to the guys who run the um. Billings Curation Center, which yeah, it's a BLM facility in Billings, but they, they have a lot of artifacts there. They have things that are very, very old, and they take very good care of them. And they have a specific they, they want to do things and keep it um, there. And it's, um, some of it's to be uh, protected, some of it's so it's ready and if someone has an archaeological question. And then um, not just that, not necessarily this one, but another thing a lot of, these, a lot of curation centers do is they um they try to set up as like okay well you know now we have this information that um this kind of stuff these uh the people who made maybe these lithic tools yeah. were the ancestors of this tribe so they get a hold of that tribe and like hey do you have a a tribal museum you'd like these in and they get it back to them and that's really cool that is cool and that's man. yeah it's a very meaningful part of the work and a very important one i'd say as well too a little more nuanced than i expected yes yeah, yeah there, there's a lot to it um and so yeah that's a whole different thing and the um to talk about yeah in the career i mean I mentioned these uh, people I work for as mentors because they really are, and it's you. Le- I've learned so so much from them, and I continue to learn a lot from my boss in Oregon, the the more experienced archaeologist. Yeah, oh, that's super cool. Like, like, you're, like you were kind of mentioning there, right, about bringing it back to the people and then having them have their own like historic museum or you know some place to display it, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that'd be cool because that's part of it, right? Because like you go to an area where because that's you know we all been to museums and it's like shrunken head from you know south america or something mm-hmm. you're like oh it's cool it's cool to see but like if you're actually in the area where like all this had happened and you can go outside and like try to kind of picture it i, I think that's and and not just that but to have the 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 people who's it who have the connection that is their culture that is their past that they displayed and they tell their story and they tell it you know the way they want to tell it in their space and that's you know i would want the same thing for my stuff yeah yeah absolutely man yeah and yeah you got Another stories and different tangents, but I'm gonna wait for that one. <laughs> it just remind me of a different story from a different podcast. But yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's cool, man. Like you know, bringing something back to its home, you know, and, and display mm-hmm. there, you know, versus in. I mean, but it's kind of cool to see like stuff travel. Like um, I remember hearing like the origin of the circus. It's weird, like tangent, but I promise it'll kind of play. <laughs> no, I'm, <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, like uh, like traveling circuses, right? Where bringing animals that you wouldn't be able to see, like you lived in, like where I'm from, Whitehall, Montana, like. Mm-hmm. 
there's no way I'd see an elephant giraffe or whatever back in the day, but the train, you know, could bring, or even just like a traveling caravan circus folks could bring these animals and people pay money to go see them, you know, in their circus tent and stuff. So, um, so I guess it kind of like, was it like Cleopatra stuff and like a few other roving, um, historic things. I'm trying so, to I mean, there's certainly like traveling exhibits or things exhibits go on loan. Like, yeah. Um, Jeez, what a simple word the, I couldn't think of. The, the one that comes to mind right away, the Pacific Science Center in Seattle will often host a traveling exhibit. Oh, yeah. um, they had, uh, when I was living there, they had one on, on Pompeii. And oh. so, um, and I didn't, didn't get to go, but they, you know, they would have things. For, um, my understanding is that they'd had some artifacts or things on display or part of, part of the exhibit there. So oh, yeah, wow. um, certainly traveling, things get loaned out or there's essentially a traveling exhibit that'll move between museums and stuff to, to make yeah. it available for people to see. Which, yeah, I think it's really nice. You like Rocky Mountain, is it Rocky Mountain Museum in Bozeman? Is that the one? Museum of the Rockies, Museum yeah. Of the Rockies. <laughs> Can't get anything right right now. <laughs> uh, we just totally lost everything here. Oh, Oops. Wait. Oh. I guess I want to, maybe this thing took a took a hit itself. <laughs> I think because it felt like I just kind of pushed it back together and stopped making noise. Huh. Maybe maybe this thing's got enough miles on it. Thirty <laughs> thirty some podcasts is all it's got. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> time to upgrade. Yeah, it's a lot of upgrade. miles. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I mean, I think it's you know I don't know if it's really exactly made for this, but. Um, yeah, Museum of the Rockies, man, like that, you know, uh, exhibits that I got to see as a kid or, you know, any other museums where things be traveling through, I thought that was like so cool, you know, mm-hmm. so you'd hear about that, you'd hear about whatever's coming through and my parents, someone's parents or like the school would take this field trip to Bozeman because it's not very far from Whitehall and mm-hmm. go check it out. And I always thought that was really cool. Yeah, no, and it's, and it's good that there's exposure. I mean, it's the, the neat thing about things like the internet that we have this connection that you can see or, um, you can sit there on YouTube and you can find a lecture from someone from across the world talking about something you're interested in we want to find out about. Yeah. yeah. It's it's fantastic that these things are available and it's um like it keeps people curious, right? Yeah, like that's so important as a human to be curious, you know? Yeah, yeah, to be curious. Um I guess in terms of what am I trying to say? Cuz so as as much as I say um the uh the the importance of like trash and stuff, it is it is important for people to see that there is like these stone tools. They can see it's like, "Hey, look, the there were people here you know, long, long before um, anyone from England, France, Spain, something came. And look yeah. at these things they made. Look at these these tools they were able to make. Look at these these boats that you know that the, you can physically see it. And like, there it is. There is the proof. It's there. Yeah, that yeah. is important. Damn it! <laughs> it's happening. It's in my hand. I'm, I feel. So, I know I'm, you're going to tell me I'm not doing it, but I do feel really bad. No, it's no, happening. No, it's nothing <laughs> you, man. I, pre- I appreciate your concern, though. No, I think it's. Yeah, I don't know, like. Something's not seated quite right in there is all. Mm. Uh, it's a lot of miles. But yeah, it starts to like sl- really slow, and I can gotta get, have an ear for it now. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Well, shoot, that's probably not a bad time to wrap it up, man. I really appreciate you guys coming out and, and being on the old podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. I had a wonderful time. Oh, thanks, <laughs> thank man. you guys for coming out. You came to my house. <laughs> okay, yeah, and thank, yes, thank you <laughs> for thank having you me over. No, yeah, thank you both for coming up. I appreciate the effort. Yeah, yeah, thanks for hosting us, man. And, Absolutely. Uh, and you're out of here pretty soon then, right? Like, yeah, I've got about a week left, and uh, then... Uh, duty calls and it's back to school which i honestly am pretty excited for yeah it's like i got a full plate but uh i'm pretty excited for it, it is you have five classes you're taking five courses yeah what are you doing i don't know <laughs> I, we're gonna revisit that in a week and see how that's gonna work out yeah but, uh, but yeah you'll get the mindset and you'll just go grind and that's yeah it's it's different my i consider my summers like pretty slow pretty lazy pretty calm yeah. and then the years the school years are different yeah you know the lady was like, are you a morning person? And I was like, well, like, yeah, during the year for sure. I try to go to the gym at like 
six and she's like oh yeah that's how does eight sound i was like yeah that's fine yeah yeah no big deal <laughs> yeah totally especially yeah, during this during when i was going to school too i'd try to get if i depending on what's going on in my week but get up and get a workout and like you said wake up get the get the juice flowing get a good meal and then go to class and you know put my best effort into it and um man it's weird too when i was older going back to school i definitely treat it more like a job and i would i go to class i go to the library well i'd probably eat something maybe get get like another little coffee go to go back to the library and then wait for the professor's hours to open up mm-hmm. and then I go to the, uh, professor's, um, classroom or wherever he was having his hours and like, especially with physics, cause I had physics, um, uh, was it physics with calculus? Is that calc based physics? Calc based physics. Yeah. Calc based physics, you know, and I never took calculus. I never took trigonometry. So I was like, wow, I don't, they threw you to the wolves. <laughs> mm, yeah, I talked my way into it. So like, it, was, it was my own fault, but, um, it, you know, it's like because uh, the um, the block schedule one is uh, I think they offered the trig based uh, physics in the fall and then calc based physics in the uh. in the spring. And just for where I lined up, I went to Dillon and did a great professor, very patient, and <laughs> can't really say I learned a lot. I learned how to how to pass. I learned how to get an almost an A because I learned how to like the equations worked and I could, I could work them back and I, I figured out the ins and outs of it, but I didn't really know the why I just was able to do it. You know, I'd say you still learned it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you can derive the equations or even get the derived equations from calculus and then utilize those, you can do it, but yeah. And I guess that's kind of what it was too. Cause I, you know, I figured out like the, the factors, you know, friction and gravity and mm-hmm. you know, all the things that kind of go into that physics world. And so I guess, yeah, I kind of learned for the time being, but I brain dumped it real quick. <laughs> <laughs> enough to take uh physics too and then uh yeah after that man I, it was it's like anything right you don't use it you lose it and absolutely yeah, had no real need for physics in my life oh mm-hmm. a friend there yeah <laughs> but um yeah man so it'll be good though Dude, like another challenge you know like we talked before about the neuroplasticity and stuff you yeah. know and being you know hungry for learning and and obviously james you are man i mean geez dude like <laughs> your path it's uh I, I really like what i'm doing and I like this podcast and I like talking to folks like you and the stories and stuff and kind of hoping that this is where my path takes me. Still kind of open to whatever, but this is, this is definitely Good. what I'm I really hope on. it works out. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm putting the effort in. And I think yeah, I'm getting some pretty good reviews so far, which is pretty good. <laughs> you know, I'm still expecting people to be like, it's trash. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Come on, buddy. Yeah. I, yeah, I just, I don't know. Kind of, well, good. Well, for, for my value and listeners, where, where can I find this podcast? Oh, good call. Yeah, on uh, YouTube and Spotify, Apple Podcasts. It's like Google Podcasts. There's a bunch of other ones that I'm pretty sure I'm like on iHeartRadio and like most of the major platforms, but... Spotify and YouTube are kind of the easiest ones. Um, Perfect. Yeah, I'll look for it. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it's, Spotify is just audio, and then um, YouTube is the video part. So, like, if people are kind of curious of what I look like or what the guests look like, they can you know, tune in there and check it out. And or this view they finally got. Oh, that's view, true. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point, man. Check, yeah, check it out. Away a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bitterness in the background. Can you name that, that prominent peak back there? Trapper Peak. Trapper. Oh, the Trapper right there. Yeah. You probably told me that every time I've been in here, and I'm just like, wow, <laughs> trapper, huh? <laughs> Compartmentalizing everything. And usually I'm stressed out about the equipment, and finally problem solves that little issue. And uh, it definitely sounds a lot better. Mm-hmm. Maybe because I'm not overheating either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah right. absolutely. Yeah. So finally went down. Stop so, sweating. Yeah, I guess to wrap it up. You're going back to school, and then you're you know heading back to Oregon. Yeah, pretty soon. I'm in, I'm in the area for a little bit, full of vacation, and then right back to work. Oh, cool, man. And then... Um, and then just kind of where the future takes you with that position. And I mean, the beautiful thing is there's always more work to be done. Yeah. And, um, and I get, you know, a, a fun mix of long-term projects and then stuff that comes up right away. And it's like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to the field. That's pretty cool. So I, I like it a lot and fire. So 
um, for the foreseeable future, and which is exactly what I want. Yeah, that's that's really good, man. Kind of knowing your path and and um, you know following your passion like that. And mm-hmm. but I get you know for like fire folks and and for me, um, home was always Montana. So it was always like I went to rookie in Washington. I came back here. Um, do you have that too? Are you like trying to get back to Montana, or are you just kind of happy where you're at? Well, I I was living in Washington for a bit and then came back. Um, yeah. but it's, it's an incredible opportunity to come out to Oregon. And so far I like it a lot. Yeah. I'll keep my ears open for Montana. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious. Um, and yeah, well, I'll keep I, I would not, I would not mind, uh, being somewhere I get to see this every night. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is, man. The mountains are always calling, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's hard to give up. It really is, man. Like, uh, when I go away from it, I come back, even going to Billings, you know, I went to school in Billings for a yeah. while and, and had a good time ran track there and even just coming from Billings to Whitehall and getting back to the tobacco roots and the Highland mountain range. And, That's and a whole different part of the state. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh man. West Dakota, baby. West Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, it really is. And then, and the river rocks are all cool and stuff too. It's climbing in that and some cool like hiking trails. The Yellowstone river runs right through there, but then I'd crest over that Cardwell Hill, man, which is that little pass between like Whitehall and, and Bozeman there. And man, you just looked out, looked down the beautiful Valley of, you know, Cardwell and Whitehall there. And just like, yeah, man, that's where I want to be, you know? Didn't get back there. Now I'm over here, but, <laughs> but it's still like in the mountains, you know. Mm-hmm. Did so. you say climbing? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, the Rim Rocks, uh, there's a lot of climbing routes up in there. And, and uh, for some reason, I, like I need an elective or something. So me and a couple of buddies, we ended up taking a climbing class there in Billings. And nice. The Rim, the Rim Rocks around Billings, like around the Zimmerman Trail? Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 oh. exactly. So, uh, my dad grew up in Billings and oh. he lived right in, um, right against the trail. And so him, really? him and his three brothers would be up and down those rocks all the time. Oh, he, was, so story, he was telling me all these stories like, oh yeah, we used to go there. We did this. He's like, oh, we always, you know, almost fell off there. That was really dangerous. <laughs> yeah. I was like, he'll, he'll be happy to know there's a class about it now. Yeah, He'll totally. be pleased yeah. to hear that. Yeah, people go to get to go and, and climb and there's like little, these little like trailhead kind of deals where you can go and rally and then. Um, you know, some of them even have, I think some have fixed pins, I want to say, or like maybe top roping wow. options, I want to okay. say. Do you lead? No, I don't. My, my buddy's in the class that does. And, nice. uh, I haven't climbed actually like since college really. I mean, gotcha. a little bit after, but like, it's been a long time. So climbing is fun, dude. It it's is a good man. time. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I've got all these trips planned where I want to, um, get with my buddy there and, and, uh, Kyle Clark, shout out to him and, uh, go on some vacation with him and, and just kind of get back into it and, you know, learn from him again. Cause we went to Cody for the, for the class trip too. It was an optional oh. thing on the weekend and did some climbing outside of Cody and that was really cool. It, pretty cool because it was like you know montana spring (laughs) it was yeah still a blast man um yeah and and, uh man that zimmerman trailer i I went for like a a run around there because you know all kinds of trails like absolutely yeah yeah yeah. in and out of the rim rocks and that yeah it's just gorgeous man you get up on top there and get to run around but like to your dad's thing they right above campus there's like a you could drive up towards the airport and then um if you hang a right to head in the heights um, there's like a bunch of parking spots right along the rims and mm-hmm. not, it's not like fenced off or anything, <laughs> you know, and there's pretty good drop off. And I remember like just wandering around out there talking to somebody, not really paying attention. And I didn't, I didn't come close to falling off. Also, and I was like right there by the edge, like, Whoa, there that is. But it was like a pitch black night <laughs> and, and the you know, light pollution is coming up at you from mm-hmm. buildings, you mm-hmm. know? So I was like, just got to cruise around and it's a cool rock feature. And all of a sudden I was like, Oh, well yeah, there's, there's the bottom and there's campus. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, cool air, but yeah, like, like I said, boys, we appreciate you guys coming on and, um, appreciate everybody listening. And, uh, yeah. Uh, like, do you want to support the podcast? Please like, and subscribe and thanks for tuning in. Thanks. <laughs>